The following program is rated TV-MAL. It contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. Gary has been kidnapped by ISIS this week. Oh, but he's still here to do the stream. Welcome to the Real BBC. I'm your host, as always, Anz from Hilvers. And we'll get the introductions out of the way very quickly because for the first hour, we have an hour. We have guests for an hour. Uh, we're joined by, uh, I mean, we'll get to it. Trust me, we'll get to it. Mark Millar. Uh, Gary, how you doing? Uh, down with the imperialist Americans. Uh, that's all I'm allowed to say right now. Otherwise, I'm totally fine. I'm fine. Keep blinking. Keep blinking. Keep blinking. Yes. And uh, somebody who can't blink but uh, can bring a hundred tentacles to the table, uh, Cthulhu God uh, Morley. How you doing, Morla? Oh, wonderful, my good man. How are you? How are you, Gary? How's everybody? What a wonderful day for a wonderful podcast. It is. Mm. A very is, special guest. Nice. Yeah uh so with those over we can chat we've just proven to you we can do intros in seconds <laughs> yes we, we, we just simply choose not, choose not to, to. <laughs> yeah, we just choose not to uh but we've got for the first hour of the uh real bbc today uh mark millar and and how do you introduce mark millar because you your imprint on on the the comics world and definitely ventured balls deep into the film world now because of the 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 uh, stuff that you've done uh is is just is just all over modern day uh modern day culture writer uh civil war uh old man logan um kick-ass wanted the authority um what i watched the the uh other night kingsman uh because gary saw gary watching it so i thought i got and i do love that first kingsman i gotta say so I did, and 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 more and more reborn, and then a Jupiter ascending, which is on Netflix. Which whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, no, Ju Jupiter's legacy, Jupiter's Jup ascending. Sorry, That's terrible film. That's not me. No, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jupiter's legacy. My bad. My, I tried to. I yeah, tried Jupiter to, I tried ascending to. was that furry movie with. Uh, oh, Tatum, the, right? Yeah, Tatum. yeah. By the Wachowskis, I so saw that. Yes. Mark Millar. Yeah, you know there's some movies that seem like movies that you see in posters in the background of TV shows. You know, like in Seinfeld, you would always see fake movie posters. Jupiter Ascending was one of them, wasn't it? It just felt like a fake movie. Yeah, <laughs> and yet, that's like a really yet, good way to summarize it. Yeah, maybe we're living in the fake world. That's why everything seems so bizarre nowadays because we're actually living in the fake world, and there's a real one out there 
I'm and then looking at us and laughing. Maybe there's Are a forgotten listener. Yes. But it's, it's great to have you on the show, Mark. Thanks for, thanks for coming on. Uh, and this, hmm? No, no, it's cool. We've got a beautiful, just a beautiful little story. We've only got Mark for an hour because he's going to go and watch with his kids and his kids' friends. Mission Impossible 6, not 7, 6, Fallout. Uh, so he's he's got to go off and do that with it. So I think that's 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 a great little story to even start. Well, it's kind of weird because you know everybody else is talking about Mission Impossible Seven, but for us, mm-hmm. the Miller family, it's Mission Impossible Six tonight. My plan was for all the kids, like I try and educate the kids in good film because there's so many bad films out there, you know. So I try and show the kids all the great movies from the last hundred years. So I said, look, in the the lead up to Mission Impossible Seven coming out, which I couldn't wait for, we're going to watch all the Mission Impossibles. And then I went to the pub one night and I, I blew the whole the whole thing, right? So I threw the plan off. So they saw one, two, three, four, five, seven. And now we're going to watch six. Yes. <laughs> so you, you still threw in number two, huh? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Two, two I kind of love, you know, like I know it's it's derived, you know, like people don't like it really, you know, but like um I think it's like a 1990s image comic, isn't it? Like it feels like it's been done by the image guys. I, I really like it. It's kind of daft, but it's fun. Well, it does feel like a comic because half the time nobody's fucking moving, right? Uh, because it's like an hour out of it. Slow motion. It just feels <laughs> like they've stopped. Shave an hour, and then you got a great movie. <laughs> but I, I tried to do that. I tried to watch all the Mission Impossible's again before seven, just to yeah. refresh everything, because uh, it's been such a while. Like, I, I, I'd like totally forgotten the connection to Rogue Nation and Fallout. Yeah. It was just like, whoa, oh, whoa, yeah, yeah, dude, the dude's back in it again. Um, and but I managed to get up to Rogue Nation before seven came out, so I got up to the five, then watched seven. But last <coughs> night I watched six, or am I lying? And I was actually watching Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> I think the way to watch these films is the way we've done it like one, two, three, four, five, seven, six. Perfect. Yeah, perfect <laughs> makes perfect sense. Considering uh, you know what, though, I, I've really appreciated the films in a way that maybe I didn't before, I was like really like the films, you know. But see, watching one a night, what I love is how different they all are from each other. And mm-hmm. you know, the only consistent thing, obviously, is Tom Cruise. He's always ru- he's always on the run. You know, it's the same sort of thing. He's always time. running. Always but on the like, run. Always uh, on a bike. But I love the fact that three is so different from two. And mm-hmm. number one feels number one feels like a movie from another era now. You know, it's like a Hitchcock yes. thriller or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. And Fallout has got some of my favorite stuff. I I really love Mission Impossible Four. I think it's a it's a brilliant film. Really underrated. Uh, Ghost Protocol is, Three. I think that's the that's the film that has launched this this you know continuing era of of Mission Impossible because yeah. they were like the first one came out in '96. It felt like a film noir, you know. Yeah. It could have been in black and white. Yeah. Number two feels like it was filmed in a different universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, number three, Philip Seymour Hoffman comes in and is just this this. Real nasty bastard. A universe the whole series. I love it. Yeah, and then Fort Ghost Protocol was was I would say it kind of felt I would say again I, I hate to say it kind of felt a bit more mainstream sort of yeah. for everyone, but it, it but it worked really well because I think the vision that sort of had these first three films and then we're like we I think we've got it nailed now. I think we know what we want to do yeah. with this franchise, and and I've I've enjoyed the Mission Impossible. Films way more someone. than the Bond, the recent Bond films. So. Oh, by a, oh, by a mail, yeah, my God, yeah. yeah. But like, it's point. funny. My kids, I've got three daughters, and my middle daughter is eleven, and she had a little crush on Tom Cruise in the first film. She was hmm. like, "What other films has this guy done?" She hadn't seen any of his movies. She was like, "He's he's great. He's my new favorite actor." 
And then within a week, she sees him as a 62-year-old man. <laughs> she says, oh, my God. You know, I don't yeah. know why I want to. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened to your dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you tell him. Yeah, I was young and pretty, too, running around. fighting. <laughs> the series, though, for Mission Impossible, it is kind of amazing if you'd never seen any before to tell someone. The first one is Brian De Palma. Second one, John Woo. Third one, J.J. Abrams. Fourth one, Brad Bird. Brad Bird. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> like, I don't know. I love it. The idea that every film reinvents itself. I mean, that's what that's what made Bond last, I think, as well. The reinvention, the fact they bring in new guys playing Bonds, different directors, you know, like you keep it fresh. I get really bored when I see the same people doing something for 15 years, you know, the the same the same vibe in all those Bond movies, you know. Like I was by the third one, I was really tired of that that era of Bond, you know. Yeah. Ready for something there. I think I think one of the reasons why with the Mission Impossible franchise, by the way, Mark, <laughs> we'll talk about something you've done in a bit. Um, <laughs> was the fact that the films are so spread apart like the first yeah. one's 96 the second one is 2000 so there's four yeah. years between those and then the third one's like 2006 so oh, there's like really? five or six years between the third one yeah. then the uh then the so there's, there's these pretty big gaps in in um yeah. time with the first four particularly yeah. uh and then we get onto a, like a three-year rotation which is what films tended to be on back in the day if they were serializing them like star yeah. wars raiders the kind of bit went on the three-year uh rotation nowadays the i think the rotation is too quick it's too Even quick two, it's two years is too quick yeah it's, it's just get it out get it out but you but, see with these these mission impossibles i mean i, I i've seen the seventh one twice now i saw yeah. it again yesterday i saw it when it came out the the previous monday in the uk and uh i just i just i think they're so well thought out you can yeah. just see the sort of creative process which has gone into this. And so when it does arrive on the screen, because I don't think there's any, there's no fat, I don't think, in Seven. Yeah, it, you're right. It's such a lean film, and, and it's two hours, 45 minutes. But it but, but it paces itself so well. Good yeah. set piece. Then you just bring it down a little bit, but not much, just yeah. a little bit. Then you go into your ne next major set piece. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think they're, they're perfectly banned, so yeah, yeah. What I loved as well was the first time I've been in a cinema in a long time. I can't think how often. And I go every week. I go and see the least bad movie every week. <laughs> and uh, it's the first time I've been in a cinema where I, it's been a full house in, a, in ages. Mm. And it was shoulder to shoulder. People were really squeezed in beside each other. And uh, and it was in the IMAX, you know, which is a little bit more expensive. So so I really think, I know that people say it underperformed this weekend. You know, it's maybe 10 million less than they expected. I think it's going to have real legs because all my normie friends who loved Maverick last year mm. are buzzing about this in the same way. You know, it has that same yeah. vibe you know, where they're like, people are loving the fact Tom Cruise can't fly and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, well, it's, it's nice to kind of have a thriller. Yeah. Uh, you know, a thriller back in the theaters, and and uh, like I saw it last Monday on release day because it came out last Monday in the UK, and I saw it again yesterday, which was again a Monday. There was yeah. more people, and I went to uh, like the eleven forty-five in the morning showing at the showcase in Leeds yeah. on the 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 X Plus cinema, you know, the nice one, yeah. the nice, you know, and there were more people yesterday. Yeah. In the Monday at eleven forty-five in the morning, with the kids still at school, than it was on the release day the previous Monday. It's that the Jim Cameron thing, isn't it? Where it's old-fashioned word of mouth. You don't need to do a yes. fancy campaign online. People go and see it, and they tell five pals to go and see it, and they tell five pals. I think this is going to 
do great next weekend and, and really build. I think it's gonna yeah, be the good. the international, it, even though the, the domestic has been, you know, okay, it's fine. Yeah. It's not terrible. It's not, I think we're all sort of looking for those, those explosive, oh my God. But it's like, yeah. it's fine domestically. Yeah. Internationally, it's actually doing exceptionally well. I think uh, the is going to do well too. Can I tell you a stupid conversation we had in the car on the way home last night? That's all we ever have in this show is stupid yes. conversations. <laughs> the kids were saying like, you know, Tom Cruise has those lines in the film where he says, like, my life doesn't matter. I'm just here to make sure you're okay. You know, that's, which is yeah, great. My, my, my love, life doesn't matter as much as yours. Yeah. yeah I, I love heroes like that. You know, that it's just, he's going to make sure you're okay. And like, um, my kids were like, who would you trust to save you most? In certain situations, right? So they said Superman, Batman, Spider Man, or Tom Cruise, right? And they just called Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, yeah. All these guys are just Tom Cruise. And we had a real conversation about it. And it's like Superman 100% will, will make sure you're okay. Like, no matter what, Superman will, even sure. if the odds are impossible, Superman will save you. You'll be okay. Batman, you might die, but he will yeah, kill yeah. you. He will, he will get the guy who, who did this, right? Spider Man. There's a 50-50 chance he's going to fail, I think. Oh, he's, he's going to help kill you. <laughs> he'll learn something from it, though. He'll feel terrible about it. And you'll be a little floating head around his, conscious, his conscience later, you know? But like, um, but Tom Cruise will probably save you. You'll probably be all right. I think your odds are better with Tom Cruise than Spider-Man, I think. Well, having, having seen it twice now, I actually yeah. saw much more in the second film, setup-wise. Like, oh. there's, there's a lot of foreshadowing in, in the seventh film. Yeah. Uh, without trying to give spoilers to the audience, but that bit that you mentioned, where he's speaking to Haley Atwell, yeah. and and she says, "Oh, is this the time where you, you know you can you Bing Rangs is saying join us?" And she yeah. say, "Oh, so this is the time where I join you and you protect me." And he says, "Yes." Yeah. And then Tom goes, "No." He says, "I can't promise that me or anyone else here can save you, yeah. but I will promise you that your life is more important than my own." Yeah, and it's a great line. But that yeah, goes I back to a, to a scene in the in the nightclub, because when Gabriel is talking to Haley Atwell, yeah. um, he says, "Oh, you don't trust Ethan. He's just about the the mission. You're mm -hmm. you could be collateral. As he doesn't care who dies, and trust me, people die all around him as long as he gets the mission done." And then he said, "And then she says, well, why why should I believe you?'" And he says, "You shouldn't, because you're in a you're in a, a web of lies now." He says, but just you wait till he promises he can save you. So she's been throughout the whole film <clears throat> very cagey about, about the whole situation. But when she actually gets that moment where she says, oh, this is where you promised to save me. And yeah. he, he actually says, no. And that's yeah. actually the moment that she trusts him. Because he said he, he doesn't say, yeah, I'll, I'll save you no matter what. He actually says, no, I can't promise that. But yeah. I do promise that your life is more important than mine, and and that's when she tears up. And it that that scene's great. That's my favorite scene, I think, in this in the whole. Maybe Gabriel was talking about Spider Man. There's a 50 50 chance of it. Spider Man. <laughs> you might crack your head and die. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, so, so, so now that we've uh, big up to Mission Impossible, <laughs> you're welcome, Tom. Uh, Mark, it right now with so many. Uh, just massive franchises behind you uh, with Civil War, Logan, you know, all of that Marvel stuff, the mainstream stuff. Uh, Nemesis Reload. Yeah, I've got it. Uh, got it all. Uh, Nemesis was six parts, wasn't it? And Ambassador, no, five, five parts. Five. And then Ambassadors was six. 
Um, but you've your own stuff, your own creations, Kick-Ass, yeah. Kingsman, yeah. Wanted. Uh, these aren't just comics. These are comics which were created and then pretty much immediately went into film production. Yeah. Uh, what's it like being responsible for uh, things like Wanted, things see on the big screen, like Kick-Ass, like Kingsman, uh, and how well-received, especially, I mean, particularly, I would say, uh, Kick-Ass and Kingsman, really well-received those first films. Well, it's, if, if I can make Hollywood studios richer, you know, that's my mission in life. If I can help them get richer, it's, I, I'm serving a purpose, you know. For me, it's, to me, I just I just do what I want to do. I just I do the kind of comics I want to, to write and... It amazes me that they get, you know, they, they sell as comics or get made into films, or whatever. Because I, I literally am sitting doing this in the house most of the time, sure. just entertaining myself. I mean, when I was five years old, I did this. I would sit and draw my own little X Men versus Spider Man comics with Superman jumping into the fight and everything, you know. And oh, I'm doing this as an adult, you know. And and so you, you can't get too big headed about it, you know. It's like I've just been extremely lucky. I mean, luckily, what I'm interested in is what lots of other people are interested in too, you know, it's, and long may that continue, it's great. So Wanted, I mean, people kind of forget, but Wanted made three and a half times as much money as Kick-Ass, you know, like the first Wanted film came out and did Gangbusters, it did 342 million on a 70 million budget. And like, uh, that was the first try at this, right? And I, I was like, my God, this is really, this is really easy, isn't it? You know, this is, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was David Goyer um, said to me, I went to visit him on the Dark Knight set and because uh, we were nearby and like uh, he said to me, dude, you've no idea how lucky this is. And I was like, what do you mean? Does this not happen all the time? And he was like, no. He said, you know, you to get your Angelina movie and, you know, 340 million gross. I mean, that's Marvel money. That's crazy. Like, And I, I think I, I then stepped back and realized I'd had a Super Bowl commercial and all this, mm. you know, all with, all with my first movie. So, but for me, I mean, it just seems like, whether I was getting paid peanuts for it or getting paid a lot of money or whatever, this is just what I would be doing anyway. You know, I just, this is what I, I love doing. I, the movies, I've always loved movies. I mean, I'm obsessed with movies, but primarily I'm a comic guy. This is what, this is what I love. And I do it as a hobby. That's what I really appreciate hearing. Cause I think, uh, I mean, there's a lot of people who just want to go straight to Hollywood. I'm not going to say sure. it's, all it's, it's a lot of people. And uh, it, it, it's always been nice to see a few people want to just say, I just like comic books. I'm a comic book writer. And it's amazing that you still have your f uh, feet grounded in that and you're still getting movies made. See how that works? Mm. It's kind of the opposite from what people think, right? So I see people putting together projects that they're essentially trying to sell as movies, right? And it's like, what if it's E.T. meets Titanic, you know, and Elliot's on a, you know, and they're, they're giving you these terrible pitches as comics, right? I kind of almost come up with stuff that's unfilmable, you know, like Kick-Ass is like <laughs> the, the impossible Spider-Man story, isn't it? You know, it opens with the superhero with his trousers at his ankles masturbating to internet porn, right? It's like nobody's making a movie of this, you know. There's a 10-year-old girl who kills people with guns and knives mm. and she swears like, uh, you know, an action movie star, you know? And like, and then, you know weeks later it's been made into a film you know it's like so the thing i've realized though is like ghost world sin city 300 kick-ass uh kingsman all these things that are a bit odd are the things that people are drawn to actually you know and the things that you would think would be terrible films like nobody totally uncommercial are have i don't know an authenticity because the guy doing the comic loves doing the comic and that 
is infectious and gets people to want to make the movie instead of some terrible pitch where it's War of the Worlds meets Predator or whatever, you know, it's like, you know, you, you, you got to try and do a good comic. And, you know, I, I'm actually in a weird situation because I sold my company in 2017 to Netflix that Miller World be sold, and that's entirely owned by Netflix now. And mm. part, of the, part of the deal was they got me, you know, like I, I'm, I'm part of it now. So I'm in-house as an executive at Netflix. And part of my job is like looking at, you know, the cuts and giving notes and listening to the pitches and all this kind of thing, right? Um, but I also create new IP, as they call it. I hate to see IP, but like to create new properties. No, 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 I get it. But yeah. part of my conditions was I said, <laughs> okay, but you have to let me write comics the way I used to write comics. And they were like, no, no, we don't need that. It's okay. We just need you to to to, to write them. You could write them as a 25-page scriptment or something instead. And I was like, but you don't understand. I didn't get into comics to get into Hollywood. Like, I love yes, Hollywood, yeah. but I'm a comic book guy, you know. So I, for free, write comic books, you know. So for the last six years, I've just written these books for free because I love doing them. And I make sure the artist has paid a hell sure. of a lot of money. You know, the artist gets paid way more than Marvel or DC would pay. But I literally yeah. do it for the pure love of it. And I could, my day could be half as long, you know, but I, I just love doing comic books. And it shows. Are you, are you okay? Are you What's okay, that? Mark? Are you yeah. okay? <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's twenty. We're nearly twenty-five minutes in already. You haven't told the audience to fuck off yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, you haven't. You haven't said if you don't like my politics, don't buy my book or anything. I'm, I'm just writing comic books for free. Yeah, writing comic books for free. Oh, yeah. I love comics. I love writing. This is this is new, confusing stuff for us here. On, sir. Tell you the thing. I also love comic fans, right? And this sounds weird. Like <laughs> I was thirteen. Right? I know this is this is crazy. Right? When I was thirteen years old, I went to my first ever comic convention. Right? True. And it was in Glasgow in the Central Hotel in Glasgow, and Alan Moore was there. Right? And it's Alan Moore wasn't yet Alan Moore. He was just becoming Alan Moore at this mm. time. You know, he'd done a couple issues of Swamp Thing. And he, he wasn't mobbed. People were coming up and shaking his hand and saying, you know, they like his swamp thing and they love Marvel Man and everything. Um, but I, I I went up to him and I said, listen, I can't believe you do this for a job. How, how did this happen? And he spent an hour with me. I was only 13 and he spent a whole hour just chatting on the floor of the, you know, where all the back issues are and the long boxes and everything. And he, I had no money, right? I'd run out of cash. I only had 50 pence, which was enough for my train home. I didn't have money left to buy any more comics. I'd spent everything, but I loved this guy immediately. I was like, this guy's amazing, you know? And he told me about his Swamp Thing comic. And uh, I said, I'm so sorry. I'd love to buy one, but I actually don't have any more cash left. Mm. And he went into his pocket and he took out 50 pence. And he gave me 50 pence. Aww. And he, he bought me the comic right from one of the long boxes. And as soon as I had more money, I came back and bought everything else I could, you know? And I remember thinking, number one, these people are the most awesome guys on earth, right? It's mm. like... I've loved this stuff my whole life and I meet them and they're even better than I expected, right? Number one. Number two, this place has got maybe 800 people in it. It was back in the days when a convention was kind of small in a hotel, you know? 800 people in it who are just like me. And I'd never met anybody like me before, you know, like, because I had to keep that side of me kind of quiet, you know, like... Sure. No, we did. Time, we did in those days, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. So the time you're 10 or 11, I, I could... I could do the football talk and I could do all this kind of stuff, you know. But there was that little secret side of me that loved comic books and yeah, Star yeah, Trek. Yeah. And all this kind of thing, right? But you did not bring that up in school. After no, 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 no. 
So, no, no, no. So then I thought, here's a whole bunch of people who are just like me. This is the greatest place in the world. And I couldn't wait. There was another one in six months' time, and I could not wait for it. And I got to know all the guys and became part of the community. And that's what I always say with everyone with comics, because I spend a lot of time in Hollywood, like I say, in outer comics. But as every moment I can, I come in and I'm like, guys, stop fighting, right? And I, this may be because I'm a dad of three kids, right? I'm like, stop fighting. Like, you guys have everything in common, everything, you know, like, you can't go all high sparrow and like these guys are pure and these guys are impure and all that, you know, like just, just hang out. You know, you you guys will get on great. I guarantee it. If you met in real life, you would be best friends. You know, it's, it's crazy. I, I, had a, I had a similar experience when I was a teenager. Um, I'd kind of gotten into uh, Hitman by uh, Garth Ennis and John McRae. And uh, I, I went to Birmingham because they were signing in Birmingham. So I, yeah. I lived in Yorkshire pretty much all my life. So I traveled down to Birmingham. I did, like you, I had no money. I literally had like train fare and I brought, I think, uh, Hitman One with me yeah. for them for him for, for them to sign. And I and I, but I did buy one of those silver, you know, those silver pens? Because those are the ones that used to sign. So, you know. so I bought one of them because he's signing it with a black pen on everyone else. And I'm just like, I oh, no, no, I want you to sign it with this. And I get I get to John McRae. Garth Ennis was, was was a bit, yeah. But uh, John, I went to John McRae and uh, I said, can you sign with this this, uh, this silver market? So he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, good one. Good one, bring in this. So he signs it and he says, do you, want, do you want a picture? And he's selling these pictures at like, I can't remember what they were, like 350 for like a page. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, oh, you know, I, I, I can't afford that sort of stuff. And he just went, oh, no. No, he says, I'll just draw you a picture. Oh, if you want one. And I was like, yeah? It's like, what do you want? So, uh, so I just told him what I wanted, and he just drew this picture, signed it to me. And then uh, I went over to, to Garth, and, and I got him to sign it with a silver pen. And then Garth was just like, uh, can we keep this pen to do the signings with? And I was like, oh, yeah, you can keep the pen. I've got my shit signed. I'm, I'm great, you know. So they, kept, so they kept the silver pen, and then they started signing everyone else's and silver pen. But yeah, I, I thought I thought John was trying to up, you know, upsell, and I had no money as a kid. Yeah. Um, but no, he was asking if anyone just wanted a quick free sign, you know, freehand uh, image uh, picture, and it was great. So um, I love John. I love you want. Gaff and John are good friends of mine. I mean, we all started in the business around the same time back in 1990 or so. We all met so 33 years ago, you know. And the thing I always remember about John McRae, number one, I've seen him vomit into a pint glass, which is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And he, it was kind of like somebody pouring a pint of Guinness. He just leaned over and vomited into the glass, took it right to the top, and then he sat it down and ordered another drink. Right, number one. The other thing is, no matter how drunk he is, and I've been in hotel rooms with him after hours, you know, we were all back in somebody's room. Johnny does 100 setups every night, no matter how drunk he is. Before he goes to sleep, he does 100 setups. Wow. Stay, wow. You know, so. oh, yeah. it's, working. it's working for I can't even count to 100. <laughs> Jeez, man. So, I mean, you, you just said, you mentioned Kick Ass and you're just like, you know, it's so weird writing a comic that, uh, you know, you just couldn't imagine even going on the on the screen, you know, starting well, off. Yeah, with, yeah. how about you wanted? Yeah, that's a pretty I, good uh, Well, I, I just remember when, when Kick-Ass came out and everyone's just like, God, this is completely different because, you know, we've got this this crazy kid and he's just getting into fights and then this got this, you know, 10-year-old girl swears like a French sailor going around shooting everyone in the head. And they were sort of talking about how graphic it was. And I'm sort of like, hmm, 
you should actually read it <laughs> because of how even sanitized they meant they managed to make the film comparative to to what goes on in the uh, actual comic itself was uh all toned down pretty yeah it got toned down got toned down a wee bit as well and um, but after that no no go on you go on no you know not too bad though you know i remember the um the original plan was to go with the studios you know this was made as an independent film and then sold mm. to the studio and what happened was matthew and jane had written this amazing screenplay you know and i remember they'd written the screenplay i, I flew down to matthew's house and uh, I, I I sat in his ante room, you know, well well they sat in another room. Sat takes two hours to read these things properly, you know. So I was sitting there on my own reading, and I came through and I said, "This is like the pulp fiction for superheroes. This is amazing, what, guys! I cannot believe how good this is." And everybody was all shaking hands and having a drink, and we we're like, "This is going to be amazing." And every single studio turned it down. Like everyone said, "This is nightmarish," you know. And there was yeah. one studio, I think it was Sony, was so horrified by it. They wrote like nine pages of notes. Wow! <laughs> and their, their idea was their ideas. Everything that made it good, they tried to neutralize. You know, so they said, "Hey, girl, should be twenty-five. She shouldn't have any guns. She shouldn't have any knives. She shouldn't swear. She should be a hand-to-hand combat ex, uh, expert, and she should always have a political message." And da da da. You know, and it's it was like everything wrong, right? And and Matthew, to his eternal credit, was like, "Okay, I'm going to borrow twenty-eight million." And I'm going to go and make this independently, and then I'm going to sell it back to you for more money than it would have cost <laughs> if you bought it. And he did it. He did it. So when, I, we talk, when we talk about studio notes, chat yeah. nine pages on a pitch. I think uh, one of us here has a video coming out soon, not so soon, named Mahler, <laughs> uh, that that will describe studio notes and how much they ruin a film almost perfectly. So yeah. that. Uh, Vaughn. One of my favorite directors of all time, if not my favorite living director right now. Guy's a freaking legend. Yeah. Uh, I love pretty much everything he does since Layer Cake. That was the first movie I saw. Layer Cake it was freaking genius. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to see him. You know, I know we already got it wanted, but I'd love to see another crack at wanted, a comic book accurate wanted. Uh, with the the biggest, you know, I like the movie. I thought it was a fine. I love the comic book. I, by the way, I sold the shit out of that comic book <laughs> in San Francisco in trades. I like that, that. That was always in my you know, top picks. It was always in my top five picks. And yeah, I sold that Watchmen probably sold the most. Uh, I'd love to see another crack, but uh, we we're getting kind of a sequel to that uh, called. Uh, and uh, it's if you read, well, Nemesis Reloaded, it's all going to it's all going to connect, which is mm. weird. We got a Millar verse going on. With all of these shared universes that have gone out of control, but this one I'm actually I'm actually down with called Big Game, so that's coming out this week. Did you just call me? Uh, no, that I'm Big Game. I, you know what? I gotta put a title under my name. It's like <laughs> Mark's a legend. That's fine. Founder of Long. Here, I'm just gonna say. You know, it sounds good that mine says legend, but I did write that myself. That was yes, I believe you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it just applies them automatically. Okay. <laughs> Well, do you know it's funny? Wanted, um, wanted's a funny one because it was the very first ever Mellow World project, right? And it happened because of Stan Lee. Like, I was interviewing Stan and I was on the phone to him, and I, it's, I'm never nervous, right? Like, I've I've been in really weird situations and I just don't get nervous. It's like it's like a weird superpower, right? And the only time I've ever been nervous was phoning Stan Lee, and it, it felt like phoning God or something, you know, like 
how can Stan have a human phone number? You know, like it just it felt <laughs> preposterous that, that he could be catalogued in numbers like that, you know. So I I phoned Stan and uh, it was changed my life. You know, I spoke to him for over two hours on the phone and I was kind of, I was feeling pretty good about myself, you know, like it was about early 2003 or something. I'd, I'd been working at Marvel for a while and I remember round about that time I had four books in the top five, right? I had the Ultimates, which was massive, you know, like mm-hmm. Ultimate X-Men. Yeah. And a mini-series called Ultimate War. Two issues come out in one month, right? So four out of the five books that month uh, that were in the top five were me. And I was kind of saying to Stan, you know, I was trying to impress him, you know, I was like, yeah, things are good, Stan. You know, I'm a, I'm a proper Marvel writer. And he said to me, you know, there will come a time when Marvel don't want you. And I was like, hang on, what? And, and, <laughs> he, was like, and he, was, he was so wise, you know, that like, I love old guys, right? Like, I, I've got loads of old guy friends because old, no matter what is going on in your life, old guys have seen it five times, yeah. you know? Like, and they've got good advice, you know? And Stan at this point's in his 80s. And he said to me, you know, right now it's good, you know, and this will last a few years, I'm sure. But there will come a point, like it comes with everyone, where it has to be replenished and the new faces will come into Marvel and you will be on, you know, you, you'll, you'll be stuck on Nova or something like that. You know, you're going you're gonna to be doing something nobody's reading and then you're out, you know. And like uh, he said, what you have to do is get in there and create your own stuff. And he mm. said, the opportunities you have in your generation is incredible. He says, like, my generation of guys, we, we, we knew we were never going to own this stuff. We never imagined there would ever be movies of it. I mean, a cartoon seemed like the biggest thing it could possibly be. And he said, but you know, you, you guys, every one of these things could be a billion dollar franchise. He said, imagine what me and Stan and Steve, uh, Jack and Steve could have done, you know, with, with the opportunities you have. And oh, yeah. I actually saw it as, it seems, it was like Moses in the burning bush, you know, I was kind of like, I, I have to change my life now, you know? So I, I wrote Wanted, put it into, you know, ended up in the previews, you know, the previews industry catalog to see what's coming up. Oh, yeah. And it optioned as a movie before the book even came out because Jared Leboff, who was in Mark Platt's office, bought previews every month, and it was very clever. He said, you don't go to the comic store because by that point, the book is optioned. He says, you go to previews and find out three months early what, what you should be optioning, you know? Yeah. So they, they bought Wanted, and the whole Hollywood thing just sort of happened from there, you know? So, like, uh, so what Wanted is... It's a, a really special thing for me, you know, and this is the 20th anniversary of that conversation, pretty much, you know. So what I did is I created a sequel to Wanted, which people have asked about for a long time. Wanted's always been a big seller for us, and I thought, well, this book that's out tomorrow, big game, is literally the official sequel to Wanted. Every character is aged in real time across the whole Mellow World universe. Yeah. So Kick-Ass, we met him in 2008. He's now 31. Hit Girl is 26. Um... I think 45 now for Wesley Gibson from Wanted, you know. Everybody's the stage from when you last saw them, so it's like the real world. And this is the, it's, it's the sequel to Wanted, but also the first ever crossover of all of my characters. Everybody, 20 franchises all happening at once. And uh, and I stole Marvel's best artist. I just went into Marvel and DC, took their two best artists, you know. like I like to do that, you know, Don Corleone thing. You just go in, yeah. take DC's best guy, take Marvel's best guy, and go and have a good, a good summer. You know? Hell yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for this to come out. I'll uh, send yeah. you tonight. I'll, I'll send you copies tonight. I'll, I'll get them sent over as PDFs. If you DM me your your email, I'll, I'll fire. Sure. Yeah. Sure. We're Access Thank Media you. here. We'll, we'll <laughs> Access we'll Media. We'll give it a glowing review. It'll be an absolute <laughs> triumph. Well, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I am I am had a contact with you um, till today. This is the first time we've actually communicated today. And uh, as the you know the chat will attest, 
we we talk about our pop culture stuff on the show. Uh, we it's called BBC, which stands for bagging, boarding, and chatting. So the, the show oriented started off by us just shooting the shit while bagging our comics because we had a shit ton of comics to to bag and board. Yeah. So um, we've been doing this predominantly. You know, we do our pop culture, but when we got comics, we we do that. And and I've I, you know I I'd gone through with the uh, the ambassador stuff. I'd gone there with the the uh, Nemesis Reloaded, and I'd already spoken about what well, big games coming out and big games gonna bring them all in. Yeah, uh, and I've had that on pre order for probably best part of two months now. As soon as soon as it was announced, it was gonna be out. I was like, oh, based off you know based off what I've been reading and and way back you know i say way back when we're talking 2016 ish i think yeah. uh when you did reborn um yeah, yeah. And, I, and i picked up reborn because of um i i really enjoy greg capullo's art he's great yeah. uh he's a he's a phenomenal artist and uh so i picked up you know Re- reborn through that and, and uh, you had the mcfarlane cover and all that that stuff with it uh so i've had this <laughs> bizarre sort of consistency with your franchises even if i didn't you know potentially know it at that time yeah like you know when when you're watching when you know, when i was like watching wanted or kickass uh or kingsman back in the day you don't tend to think of who wrote it in the comic form sure. you know you, you might not even know who directed it you might hear that oh, yeah. michael vaughn's going to be directing this or whatever and you just sort of you just sort of get into the property itself That's and just it. like oh that that was really good you know or, or you really enjoyed that and then suddenly you start to you find that these are all linking together. You know, why do I consistently like these? Oh, well, the common denominator is they're written by this one guy. Yeah. And so it kind of pushes you to then seek out their other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are putting together big game, when you're bringing in all of these franchises into one, mm-hmm. and because you've gone real time a la 2000 AD, uh, you've, you've gone real time with these, these characters. Is it difficult to balance, let's, let's say, Kick-Ass because of how he came on as a teenager, how yeah. how Hit-Girl was not even a teenager, mm-hmm. and now trying to write them as fully realized adults. How, how do you sort of balance that when you when you put it into uh, like this, this massive crossover where you're balancing multiple franchises in one? I think they just always felt real to me, you know, so the aging just feels real. Like, there's something funny. I talk about this with comic book writers a lot. I sort of know what Green Lantern would have for his dinner, right? I know what Hal Jordan would have for his dinner. And I kind of know what TV programs he would watch. He's not a real person, but I sort of know him, right? And I know what he would and how he would spend his spare time and what he would order at a bar, right? I, I can I can visualize him. And with your own characters, it's even more so. It's, it's such a personal relationship you have with him. So Dave Lozuski at 16, I, I know him at 31. You know, and he's, yeah. there's a little bit of me in all of these characters as well. You know, so sure. I just I know exactly what it'd be like. So actually, it was a lot easier than you think. And I wrote Civil War, which was the only time um, I've ever done a big company crossover before. Um, but it's really hard, right? Because you're writing, oh, God, a hundred characters tying in with like two hundred books, and it, those tripled the sales on on the tie-in books and everything. So everybody wanted in on it, and not everybody did as they were told. People would go and do their own version of things that was driving me crazy. You know, it was like it was really hard. And I mean, it was worth it in the end. Somebody said it's like having a baby, you know, it's like it's painful, but you know, there's something at the end of it. But like, but like your own thing is so much easier. It's just me. 
doing the mm-hmm. story. I don't tie in with any other books except something I've written already, so I know it very well. And it's all my best friends drawing the books. So it's just a bunch of guys having a good time. And every day as those emails are coming in with an attachment, with a beautiful page of art, it's the best email I get all day. You know, it's like, mm. it was just pure joy doing it. I loved it. Because with Big Game, because I've been stalking your Twitter, like right. any good person should. And uh, you said uh, not everyone's getting out of this one. Yep. So this yep. is good. This is going to be a big, uh, a big deal for these characters. Uh, Absolutely. This is this is the Omega book of of this thing. You know, so the Miller World stories have a beginning, middle, and end. You know, and and you don't have to read them all, but if you do read them all in the reading order, I suggest there is a big fifty-four volume story here. It's mm. insane, but it has a beginning, middle, and end, and. That is the end of their stories, you know. Like I, I've still to go back, and I've got to finish off like Magic Order. I've got to finish Nightclub and all these things. So it's not like the end of my publishing at the moment. But what it is is it's the end of their big story. So not everyone gets out of this alive. And I'm one. Of, even as a kid, I knew Han Solo should have died in Return of the Jedi. You know, like a death is meaningful if it's sure. heroic and it's cool. You know, and 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 you know, just everybody, you know, all happy and you know, everybody's alive at the end. It's very unlikely in a giant battle, you know. So I kind of like the idea of some people taking out, and and it makes the story mean something as well. You know, and they won't be back. They won't be back a few months later. So what what is next with these? You, you said you got some loose ends with some other characters tying off, but what what happens then? What happens when you've created the Omega storyline to your world? What does Mark Millar then do? I've actually got quite a few stories to finish off, you know. So like, uh, it doesn't affect big game in a, a, a difficult way or anything like that but i've got to finish off magic order i've got prodigy to finish i've got two volumes of nightclub to do so there's a couple of years stuff beyond big game that um magic magic order is my favorite people ask me what's the your favorite thing you've ever done mm. and i think magic order volume one is my favorite thing i've ever done and what i'm also pleased with is the magic order tv show there is the magic order tv show i think is going to be the best of all the adaptations we've ever done I think it's going to be absolutely spectacular. The scripts are just exquisite. It's just, it's very me, you know. Like if you, if you like my kind of thing, this is this is for you. You know, it's going to be good. Any idea when that's coming? Well, not anytime soon. <laughs> well, the right, the right strike uh, and the actor strike. You know, I mean, it, it's weird. Like, no, nobody, everybody's like Captain America, frozen in ice just now. You know, but like, <laughs> uh, you know, well, just once. But the thing is, it's happening to everybody at once. You know, so once. Once hopefully everybody's happy and everything's resolved and everything we're out the other side, it'll be full steam ahead. You know, like we're we're all ready to go. Do you think that the writer strike is the the time where writers are actually at the most productive right now? Because <laughs> they could just they could just concentrate on writing all day every day while the strike's on, and then when it's over. Except for George R. R. Martin, but yeah. Oh yeah, he, he's the only one who's actually going to be on strike during the writers' strike. <laughs> Look, do you know weirdly, like, um, I thought COVID would be like that. You know, everybody was off for like eighteen months in COVID, and I was like, I bet there's going to be some amazing books that have been written in the eighteen months when everybody's trapped in the house, and I bet there's going to be some fantastic spec screenplays, and there was kind of nothing. <laughs> you know, like nobody yeah, well, was they, they were complaining oh. on Twitter and watching Tiger King. That's that's what happened. <laughs> Brett Easton Ellis has got a theory about Twitter, which I think is really interesting. He says that he thinks that 
social media. I mean, anybody middle aged like like me, you know, always complains about social media being detrimental to young people. But he thinks yes. it's really affected the next generation of people coming through in terms Agreed. of. And his big thing he said is, he would be so bored that he learned how to be a writer. Like he had nothing to do at night, so he just read a lot and then wrote a lot. And musicians would be in their bedroom with a guitar and have nothing else to do but learn to be really brilliant on that guitar. And his worry, he said, is that children never have a chance to get bored now because there's always something to occupy their time. And I think there's something in that. You know, I worry about that. I, I, I agree. Absolutely I, I, agree with that when uh, we're of the same age. So, uh, you know, people like to glorify the 80s and 70s. They were boring. They were mostly yeah. boring. And we had to find different and special ways to get in trouble or find hobbies and uh, I, but that developed our whole social skills. Yes. Uh, you know, that's what developed our social skills, and and that could lead to. I mean, people used to like to come. You, you talked earlier about geek. Geek was underground, and it was. Yeah. People don't understand yeah. that nowadays. Nowadays, everyone's everyone's a fucking it's geek so on the. Excuse my friend, but everyone's a, everyone's a geek on the internet now. You know, yeah. somebody mentions, oh, we're gonna do this property is coming out, and suddenly there's ten bazillion fans. <laughs> you know yeah. all about it because they read one Wikipedia page and and suddenly pretend. Whereas when I would like, I would be into like Transformers, Lego, uh, all this kind of stuff as a kid. I could speak all the football talk. I knew all the sports talk. I did all the sports back in those days as well. But I would buy a Transformers comic like I was buying a porn mag. Yeah, you put you would put it into the porn mag and buy the porn mag. And, oh, well, they, they were caught me buying them, porn. Few that didn't see the Transformers magazine that I had inside there. You wouldn't talk about <laughs> that with, were, with any The fans. comics were always, at least in America, the comics were always on the other side of the shelf or the same shelf as the porn mags anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they don't, they don't, um, but I was the guy who they would always come round to's house to play Transformers or to play yeah. Star Wars with, because I was the guy that always had like the ideas about the stories because you'd create your own little stories of what was going on yeah um and and those those you know that doesn't happen anymore you just got a bunch of teenagers who aren't well, i said a bunch of teenagers 30s 40s yeah. uh you got a bunch of people on on social media and they're not developing social skills yeah so so you just you're getting people who don't have social skills getting frustrated with conversations which just denigrate and, and dissolve into into slanging matches what are you doing with your life they live in getting up Living on Twitter. Hey, Kelly Sudakon, I'm not having to go. I'm not having to go. Living on Twitter. Living on Twitter. That's all they're doing. Type, type, type. All day long. All day, every day. Nothing productive. Nothing productive. What are they, what are they going to produce? What are you going to produce at the end of the day on a creative level? Nothing. And, the, and an echo chamber as well, you know, because anytime there's a, a general election, a presidential election, or any kind of referendum, People are always shocked by the results, you know, and it's because they only ever talk to people who agree with them, you know. So, yeah. and they hate, you know, it's an opposing army. My friends cut right across the spectrum, you know. Like my, I, I've got really good friends in every camp, and I really love them, you know. Like I go, I've got lots of different groups of pals, right? So there's different. There's my old school friends. There's my work friends. There's my neighbors' friends. There's my school dad friends. You know that kind of stuff, you know. Usually about eight to ten guys all together, all out in the pub, you know, in different locations. You will never find two guys with the same opinions about anything. We all and we rip each other apart all night, but we're great friends, you know, and, and yeah, we yeah. do anything, do anything yeah. for each other. And that's what I worry about with my children's generation as well. Is I, I hope I've raised them well that they will respect 
people who they disagree with. You know, they're they're not bad people. They just they maybe believe in a smaller government where we believe in a larger government. You know that kind of thing. You know, so it's just it's it's arguing over nothing really because. Hmm. You know, ultimately, if they met in real life, they didn't get on. I hope. And there's so much to agree on. The, the, swept the away. majority to agree on. I tell the story a million times, so apologies, chat. But the, like the one rule in my shop, I had a shop in San Francisco for ten years, yeah. Mark. And uh, a coffee shop. It was a comic shop. You might. No. Have heard. Uh, <laughs> and uh, one of the rules was like no politics, and I never really had to enforce it because nobody yeah. really got into it uh and it you know i had the my 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 late father-in-law vietnam vet uh with my friend william selby a conscientious objector hated vietnam and they were in there just chatting up and having the best time talking about the old you know hippie comics from the 60s and that's the way it's supposed to be that's that's what we're you know we're constantly on here trying to fight to preserve it's not one side or the other it's you know phantom was a really fun place especially god in the early to to 2000s to 2010 or 12 kind of peaked but it was a good time you were writing really good comics you know uh this guy wrote the ultimates chat if you're not uh, aware uh it's it's a book that kind of changed everything for marvel and uh the way they approached uh writing art it you know it took a long time to come out but it's one of those rare exceptions that people would wait and it would sell like crazy uh and uh, it was fantastic he also did red sun that's another uh, classic one right there uh but yeah that, that was a good time and that's what we're trying to preserve and 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 it's nice you know we had uh you've been kind of following comic-con i'm here in san diego for comic-con there's no hollywood and i this is the first one i've been excited for in a decade i can't wait to go uh, i'm looking forward to it because it's just going to be comic people there for the most part and that's that's kind of what i want i want to go to, i want to go to the comic convention to buy comic books and to meet comic book creators. Mm. Yeah. And, and there's new ones and i want to thank mark for making me excited for new comics again you know I've, I've got my friend eric july out there who's making some stuff but like uh as and i gave up dc and marvel completely mm-hmm. uh, uh two two and a half three years uh-huh. ago just because the storytelling got bad and the end uh the creators were treating the fans like crap you've never done that so thank you uh i wish more people would follow your 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 lead but thank you for getting us excited but uh yeah do, do you think I, I i'm of the belief that fandom can get back to that but i think comic books just needs to be kind of what it's always been is niche once the corporations are gone <laughs> it's a big niche as well because i remember in 1996 i think it was i went two years in a row 97 i went to san diego for the first time right and like i was flying economy squeezed into like a rubbish seat beside a big fat guy and all that you know it's like but it was like the best five days of my life right like i remember thinking this is like a religious experience you know like i mean we're, mm. we're, we're going somewhere where it's beautiful it's sunny everybody's talking about com- nobody was talking about movies except the way we talk about music or tv shows you know just in the background sure. but like um but everyone was excited about comics and I was trying to get work, you know, everybody's looking for work and you're hustling and trying to meet editors and other pros you could maybe package things together. Super exciting. And I could be wrong, but if I remember right, the attendance was around 100,000 then anyway, right? So it was kind of at capacity. And what you have now is, I don't know, one, three, five thousand or something, but it's mostly people who don't read comic books, right? So, yep. so I had a real, you know, the alcoholics have a thing called a moment of clarity where they hit mm-hmm. rock and they realize, okay, enough, right? 
I felt this last week, right? When I saw not for alcohol, I still drink all the time, right? But like, <laughs> but like, yeah. But I, I, I saw this thing for, about San Diego Comic Con not having Hollywood there, and I actually just suddenly realized, why did we let Hollywood in in the first? Why did you let them in? Yeah. And what it felt like to me was this was a thriving thing that ever, even even in the late nineties with the the only good comics that were coming out, you know, you could probably count in one hand at one point around about 1996, 97, mostly Mark Wade and Kurt Busiek, you know, a couple of really great uh, guys writing stuff there. And Garrett Morrison, a couple of people, Warren Ellis, but not a huge amount of excitement in the industry as a whole. And yet Comic-Con was vibrant. You know, this this wasn't the image years or anything. This It was buzzing. And I thought, we let another industry come in and take our lunch money. They just came in and we stood back and we let them walk onto the stage that used to be us, and we let all the actors and everything, and we clapped them, and we said, have our green room. We're not allowed in the green room anymore. You guys can have the green room, you know, because you guys are more important, you know. And then there's all these people from all these terrible CW shows, you know, I mean, that I've never heard of, you know, all, all showing up at San Diego. And the guys who do the comic books are like, it's like the, you know, an animal farm when, when everybody's looking in and they see the pigs, you know, and they're in control of the farm now, you know. <laughs> And it felt like that, you know, like we were suddenly in the outside of our own business. And I just think, right, bugger off, guys, you know, like you're not coming back, you know. And I see this mm. as a guy over there next year with one of my movies or one of my shows. Right? Yeah. <laughs> at, least, at least I have a comic book. Great. Yeah. I totally. But, you know, we, ha we, ha we should never have given that up, you know. And I actually think, see, whenever creators get a sense of self-worth again and realize, oh, no, this shouldn't be a stepping stone to Hollywood. And I'm in Hollywood, right? So. I can tell you that comic books is at least as cool as Hollywood, right? At least as cool. And like, if not more so because you can really do what you want. But I uh, I think when people have that sense of self-worth and realize the value of comics, like Eric July, for example, even from a financial point of view, Eric July is making more from his Ison comic than most people are making from screenplays and so on. You know, like, yes. uh, you know, there's a glamour to comics if you let it happen. Absolutely. It's the best medium. Uh, it's also something I noticed early on. Uh, it's a self-loathing industry. It's always been like a lot of comic books are like uh, comic book writers and artists just like just like you said that they don't have a lot of self-worth and they they should. And, yeah. and that might come across with how they treat other people. See, see, Mark's com uh, comfortable in his old skin, so he he doesn't treat other people like garbage. And uh, that that really that really matters. Like uh, you know, uh, I, I I know a few comic artists and the the. You know, some of them are sad. Some of them are really sad guys, and that might be the artist in them. But uh, yeah, I hope this new independent movement really brings uh, a, a new energy to it, something different. Uh, we do kind of need to go back to basics in the industry too, but it doesn't mean you have to go completely backwards. And you know, I, I was in uh, Barnes and Noble, my local Barnes and Noble. It's our last chain bookstore here in America before they all go away to Amazon. And the saddest thing I saw was the American comic book industry and the West, you know, Western comic books. Just uh, it, it, it was two shelves now. The last time I was here six months ago, it was four, but they they lost two more shelves to manga, uh, and it's it's sad. And and what we saw there was just a it was just a, a hodgepodge of Marvel and DC and some indie books, but like nothing that anybody put any thought into. At this Barnes and Noble ten years ago, Mark. When Comic-Con was here, there would be a big display. Comic-Con, da, da 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 none of that, none of that. When you used to know for at least the last 15 years, if you drove around San Diego, any part, North County, you would know Con is coming this week. You have no idea right now. So uh, 
that that part is sad. That part is sad. And manga came in and uh, filled the need. Uh, so I, I and I still think there's great stories to be told out there. Mark is one of the people trying to keep uh, keep that going. Uh, where do you see this industry going? That is a big question. Where do you see this industry going over the next few years now that Hollywood is going to be clearly be a little less interesting? It's interesting. It's a great question. This, I'm on holiday right now. Like I'm back in Scotland with the family. And this, is, this isn't my office. This is like my holiday home here. I've got a tiny office. In, oh, it's in not the- to boast, Mark. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but my well, office is... office too. <laughs> <laughs> this is well, my this office. Is this is just boxes behind me. Like my office has got lots of comics and things, you know. You'll see, uh, you'll see soon. But like, uh, I was in my. This is my home city that I'm in just now. So I'm back home visiting family. So I'm obsessed with the shelf space for graphic novels in mainstream bookstores. Right? It's a real obsession with me. So mm-hmm. I'm back home for a couple of weeks in Scotland, and um, this morning I went down to my local Waterstones, which is our version of Barnes and Noble, you know. Um, and I looked at the comic book section and what used to be maybe two, four walls, four walls, I think at one point, which was maybe 40 shelves, like a lot, is now down to two shelves. And it's not even entirely comics that's on those two shelves. There's a few things in there that look like art books, a couple of design manuals and things like that. And I actually, my wife was over in another section and I tap, I went over and I said, come and see this. Look at this. Mm. And every time I come back, and I come back to Scotland regularly, we stay, we stay here a little bit. Um, I come back and I, I say, look at this now. Look what's happening now. And, it's, and it gets smaller and smaller. And we keep hearing all the stuff, you know, like comics is doing better than it ever has and everything. And the one thing that I do like is that in some sense is true because the American comic book industry and graphic novel industry is making a lot of money, but it's all imported books from other countries. Yes. There's nothing, the, the domestic market is crippled. And I know the numbers on this because I look this stuff up all the time. And the American, the domestic market, the American numbers is 79% manga and 6% Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People talk about independence, 2% independent. So that's image. Boom, Dark yep. Horse, Titan, everybody is 2%, right? And everything else is dogma. Thriving, right. Mark. Thriving. Well, you know, and the weird thing is the paper sales is good. You know, like the manga section in these stores is very healthy looking. It looks good. And 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 I know loads of kids reading comics, but they're reading manga. You know, as I do, I, li- I like manga too. I've been reading it since 1988. I love manga. I've got, got a guy to- called Liam Khan here in the chat. And he yeah. says, uh, Mark, is there any manga that you're a fan of primarily as a Western guy? So what's your, what, what is your uh, I like Chainsaw Man, uh, Blue Exorcist. My, one of my kids got me into Blue Exorcist. I mean, the one that everybody uh, read when I was growing up was Akira. You know, that was my gateway drug into manga. You're like, I loved it, you know. And sure. I saw that this morning in the shelf, and I was like, it's good that's still there. You know, little kids are getting into that. Well, teenagers, you know, are getting into that now too. Um, so, yeah, I love manga. So this is no slight on manga or Japanese creators, because I, I love that they are doing stuff, thank God, that somebody likes, you know. But the American industry must learn from this and think, okay, what are we doing wrong? This is the American car industry in the 1980s. The American car industry was completely consumed by overseas products. And then what they did very cleverly was look and think, okay, how do we reassess? What are they doing right and what are we doing wrong? How do we fix this? And I think it's a very simple plan. I think there's only a few steps needed to fix the American comic industry because my friends, including me, who I barely read any American comics anymore. And my, no. my, 
my friends would love to pick up comics. They always ask me, they say, is there something, anything cool you can recommend? And it's, I, I recommend some stuff, but it's nothing like, I looked at the 1980s catalogue, right? I looked at the 1985 catalogue, and this isn't just nostalgia. I, I looked at it and it's all Frank Miller, Walt Simonson, John Byrne, mm-hmm. you know, Howard Chaikin. Every month, you know, people at the top of their game, Marvel and DC between them are putting out 30 to 40 four or five star books every month. You know, I mean, under Dick Giordano at DC and Jim Shooter at Marvel, it was unbelievable, you know. And Joe Quesada and Dan DiDio at DC back in the, the early part of the 20, uh, 21st century. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was 10 years of generally excellent stuff. There was a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Comics has kind of lost its way, you know, like, and the numbers are there to prove it. This isn't middle-aged guys talking. You know, this is the, the numbers are there. People are not picking up the stuff. You go in and you see nothing on the shelves, you know. But I think you course correct. I think you, no, that, you're going to hate this, right? But one of the things I think that everybody disagrees with me on is I think you need to get Marvel Comics firing in all cylinders again, right? And this is a weird thing to say for a guy outside of the big two. Independent comics, historically, if you look at the trends going back literally decades, and I've looked at all the numbers, independent comics do well on the back of Marvel and DC doing well. Yes. So people come into the stores because they love Jim Lee's X-Men and, you know, they like Tommy Farland's Spider-Man. <clears throat> and then they'll maybe try out that, that independent book, you know? And this is historically the case. But DC does well when Marvel does well, and indie books do well when they both do well. Yes. And just a yeah. bit of excitement. The cinema is the same. Whenever there's amazing big movies in the cinemas, you know, big billion-dollar movies, more people go and see the little indie movies because they're in the habit of going to the cinema. You need to get – you can't just have one book a month that people want. You have to have 20 books a month people want, and then people come into the stores and they start dropping cash on the counter again and picking up comics again. So I think the number one thing to fix, because there's a lot of good indie books out there, there's actually still some good indies, but nobody sees them. And I think the thing you fix is Marvel Comics first. You know, you have to really fix Marvel. And DC, I can see the green shoots of recovery already with DC. Like, I've gone from zero DC books to maybe three now, you know? And I, I used to buy 20 a month, you know? And But I'm buying three now, which is a lot more than I was, three more than I was buying last year. You know, so you've got World's Finest is very good. Uh, green Lantern's very good. Jeremy Adams' Green Lantern's great. Um, you know, Shazam's good. You know, there's a few good DC books. But see if Marvel can just get some killer teams on everything, get some brilliant guys in there. I mean, I'm I'm really busy at work and everything just now, but I'm going to try something next year. I'm going to try and get a little carve out in my contract and try and get a bunch of pals together and just get 20 great creators who are busy doing other things to come in and do some awesome runs. You know, just like uh, just come in and do you know, Frank quietly doing Spider-Man, you know. Sure. Frank oh. will do Wolverine or something. Just just get some great guys doing great characters. Correct from wrong. You repair the industry in six to twelve months. Aren't you doing something Superman related? That's what I want to do. I mean, I, I, it'll take me three months to write the Superman project, you know. Um, and I'm going to try and get a little bit of a carve out of what I'm doing, like because I've I've just got a certain commitment, a bunch of things that I have to work on. There's a lot of stuff next year, um, but I'm going to try and get three months out and do Superman. But I have another project as well, and I'm going to try and do two. I'm going to say to all my friends, just say, look, this is nothing official. This industry can go away, you know, like the American yes. industry can go away. I, I, I'm I, in London a lot, right? And I used to work for a company that I did 2000 AD when I was a teenager. I, I worked yeah, yeah. And I walk past their old offices now, 
and it's um, student flats, student apartments, accommodation, right? It doesn't exist anymore. That company used well. It does. Um, sorry, that that off the the place where it used to be is gone, and the big company it was part of that produced lots of comics is gone. Two thousand eight is the last there is of the British comic book industry. Almost, you yeah. know, like compared to the thriving industry I grew up with. That industry used to employ hundreds of people, and now it employs a couple of dozen people, possibly. Mm. And it's not impossible the American comic book industry goes the same way. And I know this is going to sound alarmist, and somebody's going to do a crap meme about this or something, right? But it's not impossible that within five years, Marvel and DC, who are owned by big companies who don't really care about publishing, mm-hmm. are going to license them off to some cheap-ass I, I, I couldn't agree more. No, I absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely agree. The um, guys are going to be working for a, a tenth of what they're working for now, you know? So, yeah. so yeah, I, I think, I think I the think people within... One last chance to fix it. Sure, sure. I think the people within, like, Marvel and DC, like, the creator side of things, think mm. that they're protected by Warner, and, and they think they're protected by DC. That is the furthest from the truth that they could be. Yeah. If they don't see value in the IP, you have no value, because they're not bringing in money. And they're yeah. certainly not bringing in the money uh, in in the in the uh, quantities that they they want. And these so they, they will ship it out. They will license it and ship it out um, because the IP is valuable, but they're not. Mm-hmm. And the brand's not necessarily you know they'll they'll just you know the brand's what the brand is. I own we own the brand. And as so, Mark so that said, get whacked on. I don't think necessarily farming it out is a bad idea right now. No, <laughs> not with who's people. involved in the industry. Yeah. I I I am I I agree. I don't think this is the irony. I don't think it would take too many steps to fix this. One year, it, I think. The problem is the people who are there who don't want to do that. Uh, well, but I think we 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 look at it from a practical, pragmatic. We're, we're starting side. to see the death of, uh, and this is sad, but of twentieth-century models. My next video is about this. Uh, but we have, you know, hedge fund companies coming in. This is going to sound off topic, but it's not. And buying uh, the local paper here in San Diego that I used to read growing up. San Diego Union Tribune got bought by a hedge fund company. They were sold by the LA Times. And this hedge fund company, what they do is they just bleed stuff until it, and then they fire everybody and shut it down. Yes. That, that's what's going to start happening to comic book publishing if it doesn't turn around soon. Uh, it'll just be sold off in little pieces and dissolved. And it's already happening in the game industry, Gary. It's yeah. already happening. They are buying the smaller creators, these smaller companies that have created um, IP, which people have loved. And then the, the bigger corporation, let's say Insomniac Games, and then EA will come in. They'll buy it. They'll release and publish the game, which everyone likes, because they've corporatized it and EA'd it. Then people are just like, no, you've lost everything that was was special about this franchise. And then EA turn around and go, right, close the studio. They then close the studio and shelve the IP. And this is what will happen with with comics. Yes. This is exactly what will happen. Yeah. There, there was there was an urgency to comics whenever they went owned by gigantic corporations. Like whenever Disney came in, I remember it was like, you know, in V, the TV show V, it said the visitors are our friends. Yes. And, and, <laughs> yeah. But I knew what was really going on. I, I, <laughs> I was like, this this is not for me. And people said there's a security coming. And I was like, no, no, no. no. The security is being a small outfit that makes a decent profit. Yep. And yeah. that decent profit is chicken feed, doesn't it? You know, so the publishing, I remember hearing in 1996, somebody told me at DC licensing that Batman kites, you know, like toy kites, 
Mm-hmm. Batman types made more money than Batman comics. And that was back in good publishing times. Yeah. So like, so this is just a wing of licensing for these guys. And I worry there's two ways it could go. There's, it could be given to companies that basically hire guys who treat the comic books like coloring books. It becomes yes. like aircraft instruction manuals, yeah. you know, but it's just garbage. I, I, I spoke to friends about buying DC. Like I, I was quite serious about it. Like the idea of, starting something and like licensing it from dc um but i i had somebody sound them out you know and like uh i i I, it's not on the table yet it's not on the table yet and i what i would have done if i had done i don't think i'll have time to do it but what i wanted to do was massively increase page rates yes completely restructure the business model yes where instead of getting this paltry percentage the creator actually gets the bulk once you hit a certain number. So mm-hmm. right now, none of the books are really selling. So if you can actually create an arbitrary number that they're not hitting at the moment and give a phenomenal royalty rate to the writer and artist, then that's very attractive to the kind of person who can sell a lot of comic books. You know, So like, uh, it suddenly becomes a very attractive proposition instead of working for something purely out of the love for it. You know, So I don't know. We'll see what the next few years holds. I don't rule it out. You know, like... I enjoy the business side of it. I know exactly how to fix it, you know, and it's it's something I just love and I don't want to see go away. So Marvel, I I suspect Marvel could, I mean, Warner's is in more financial trouble than Disney. And the Disney's sure. troubles are not, you know, they're not small. Um, but um, I could see Marvel being licensed out, you know, but I think what you have with big companies, unfortunately, is people get into jobs and they don't want to get fired. Mm-hmm. So they just keep their head down and try and do the kind of comics nobody talks about so they don't have any controversy. Because there's all those Twitter lunatics out there, you know, who try and spin a bad story out of an interesting... But then they're uh, not even buying the comics. That's just the thing. They're listening to people who are destructive to the industry, and they're not listening to people who who were purchasing their actual product. And, And more problematic than that, for want of a better phrase nowadays, but more problematic than that is the fact that they attack... The, the actual customer that is purchasing their product yeah. while listening and agreeing and siding with the people who don't, who don't yeah. purchase the product, but they just agree with them on a on a thematic level, on, on an ideological level, and it, that's not going to sell them. It, it seems insane that we live in a... a from a, a massive Batman fan, always have been. And, and by the way, going back to what you just said before, the merchandise for the 89 Batman film oh, yeah. made more, way more money than the movie did. Way more. Uh, so oh, yeah. so it, is it juggernaut? But as yeah. a Batman fan, I can't <clears throat> believe I'm living in an era where where a Robin uh, solo series gets cancelled, well, ends on 10 issues, so cancelled at six. Yeah. Because because we're in a situation where where it's just, and I, you know, if you ever saw the, the new Tim Drake Robin uh, comic... I mean, it's 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 sick on a page. It's and just terrible. DC did so much work. I, I'm again old enough to remember when having Robin being in a solo comic was laughable. And then Teen Titans came around, and then all of a sudden we had multiple Robin comics, and it's great. It was great, and they squandered that. I have a. You mind if I read a super chat? Sure. As, it's a question for Mark from my from my buddy Nick Weiser. Thirty-two flavors of Nick Weiser for ten dollars. Hail BBC and chat. Hail Mark, Mister Millar. Do you have any crossovers planned after Big Game? Would love to see a showdown between Matthew Anderson of Nemesis and Huck. Uh, that does happen. That does happen. So, like, uh, yeah, I mean, basically all the characters meet all the characters. So 
is that fanboy thing you had when you first saw Secret Wars, you know, back in the 80s when you first saw Secret Wars, you cannot believe that all these guys are in one place and it's the price of a normal comic. You're like, what? You know, it's all my favorite things in one place. So I wanted to, on the one level, it's more mature, it's a lot more sophisticated, but it's a pure fanboy experience at the same time to see all these things you like. Hell yeah. And, and to bring back that, that experience with your own stuff, that, that, that must be a cool feeling. And uh, it, your yeah. stuff has been like just spot on. Like it's been so freaking good. Uh, I, yeah, I was a big Millar simp at my shop and that hasn't changed. <laughs> so uh, yeah, thanks for answering that. Uh, Nick is a longtime viewer of both of ours. He's a good guy, big yeah. comic book fan. I certainly, I certainly don't mean this in a, please do not in any shape or form take this as a backhanded compliment. But whereas Gary says he's a Mark Millar simp, I, I sort of organic, what I class as organically became a fan based yeah. off the quality of your work without necessarily knowing what, what, what I was coming across and going, this is good. Oh, yeah. this is Mark Millar. Coming across, this is really good, Mark. To the point where I just said recently, ah, Mark Millar's putting out some new stuff. I'm going to get the new Mark Millar stuff because <clears> I'd, I'd known of the, the quality of that. I'm picking you know, up. That's the way it is with everything, though, isn't it? When I was a kid, I remember thinking, but "I love sells. That's quality sells." But I love Robin Hood by Errol Flynn, right? Yeah, yeah. I love Casablanca, oh, yeah. you know. And, and I realized, okay, I like Michael Curtiz movies. You know, it took me a little while to realize it, but I love Michael Curtiz movies. Likewise, I love The Apartment, The Fortune Cookie, The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes. Mm, oh, I'm, I'm a yeah. Billy Wilder fan, you know. So it's a lovely moment when you realize things that you enjoy are all done by one person. So it yes, gives you a time. yes. To, to go and check that stuff out. I mean, I, I used to follow characters when I was younger, but I think maybe when I was about 25, I, I shifted to creators. So I knew if I picked up a Garth Ennis or a Warren Ellis comic, yeah, it was yeah, yeah, be yeah. Awesome. You know, I, there's a 90% chance it was going to be good, which is it's a great but moment I, when you realize that. I mean, you, you discussed it earlier. I like came across Garth Ennis's um, uh, Hitman. Yeah. Because of the the quality of the comic, the Batman comics I was reading, like I was a huge yeah. Chuck Dixon fan, still am a huge Chuck Dixon fan. Yeah, and Chuck that. Dixon, I mean Chuck Dixon, Alan Grant, Doug Mensch was putting out all these 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 wonderful Batman comics. And yeah. like you said, when when you are reading like quality, then yeah. then it's sort of I want more. Yeah. So so you sort of so suddenly just becoming this this Batman guy that yeah. that just got the Batman stuff. Then it then it sort of pushed me into. Uh, well, let's check out some Superman then, because I'm really enjoying the Batman. Yeah. Let, let's get his antithesis. Let's get his his mirror image. Let's go with Superman. And then, of course, you come across Brett Breeding and 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 uh, Dan Jurgens and stuff like that. Mm. And you're just like, holy shit, these guys are incredible. Yeah. Um, absolutely uh, incredible. So then that <coughs> pushes you to look to other side. Then I started picking up Green Lantern. Then I started picking up uh, even even going to Legion of Superheroes. You know, just really sort of branching out from that from that initial pinpoint of, of batman because the quality had been legion, so good mm? legion of superheroes is the mark of a, a level 11 nerd by the way yeah. <laughs> yes yeah that's the kind of nerd to like legion of superheroes it's, it's even i would bully those guys i would bully the <laughs> but that but that's where it got me and and then of course you when you when you're looking at batman then you start to look at the everything that surrounds batman catwoman azrael yeah. blah blah blah, blah. Uh, and then it, when you when you hear that Hitman is going to be set in Gotham, I'll check out this Hitman from Garth Ennis. And then suddenly, wow, this Garth Ennis stuff is amazing, which then pushes you to other Garth Ennis stuff. And then he goes off and does the boys and all that kind of stuff. 
think um, every decade has its moments like that. There's like a when I think of 70s comics or 60s comics, there's a thousand great comic books appear in my head. You know, it's a 50s comics, 60s comics, 70s comics, 80s comics for me, quintessential, because that was my time. I'm 10 years older than you, you know. So like so that that stuff for me is the is the golden age, really, you know. 90s comics. What I think is missing over the last 10 years is I don't feel an identity at Marvel and DC. You know, I think the, the, the way that I, 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 I know what an 80s Marvel or a 90s Marvel or a 2000s yes. Marvel looks like, you know. I think it just needs to rediscover its identity. I think we need some new creators. I mean, it is weird that the guys are my age and older for a lot of the part that's there. I think we need some guys in their 20s coming in again and shaking this up. Like, I mean, I was 29, 30 when I started at Marvel. And mm -hmm. like, and I, 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 handled it differently from the guys who were the generation before me you know so there must be some 29 year old guy right now who's thinking my god when will these these guys get off the stage you know we need to, i've got these ideas i can come in here and fix this you know so we need to see those guys yeah but but the for i mean i would say unfortunately the younger creators that that are being at least pushed mm -hmm. by the mainstream are just pushed on an ideological or superficial basis Whereas, whereas before, like when I was reading uh, detective comics in the nineties, I'd see Chuck Dixon, Graham Nolan, mm -hmm. and I, in my head, had already made them fifty-five years old. <laughs> you know, and I, I didn't, I didn't know that Graham Nolan was like 27, 28 <laughs> at the time. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. they were just—that's just the way that I perceived that that you had these mature mm -hmm. people that knew what they were talking about, knew how to construct these things. But we're putting together the, these these great pieces of, of work. So, guys, I'll be two seconds. Sure. The Chinese has food. arrived. The Chinese Chinese food. The Chinese food has arrived for the um, film, which means time is against us. So, uh, let's see if we can grab a couple of questions. I'm good. I've actually I've got I've still got our ten minutes at least. That was oh, me okay. just letting my kids in. I knew they were oh, right. Okay. <laughs> we thought the Chinese the Chinese was here. <laughs> Um, if I just grab a couple of questions for you from the chat then, Mark, because I want to involve the chat in this. Uh, we got one from um, Andre Modelski with 100 uh, checks. It says, uh, Dear Mr. Malar. Very formal. I, like I never knew authors' names, but I see your title so much I love. Your work uplifted me through countless times. I cannot say anything less than thank you from the bottom of my heart. That's the best thing you can hear? Yep. Well, exactly. Um... Uh, Igor, with a surname that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce for want of uh, destroying it, uh, with a 10 Brazilian, says, glad to see Mark Millar with you guys. Uh, much love from the Ripperverse crew. Question for Mark. Uh, if you could go back and change something in one of your stories, what would it be? That's a great question. I mean, my answer to everything, because I think about this all the time, and you've seen Back to the Future too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know when oh. you go back and you mess with the time stream? Yeah, 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 yeah. Biff ends up things up. Biff's the president and everything, you know? Sure, so I think even stories that I'm not happy with, I wouldn't change anything just in case it, there's a domino effect through the rest of my stories and I, I end up not doing what I'm doing now. You know, like I, yeah. I'm so pleased with my life that I don't want to mess with it. You know, like I, I'd be terrified. You know? No, good answer. That butterfly effect can can happen, you know. And, and sometimes your bad stories have to happen, you know, because then you figure out what doesn't work and then you learn from it. I mean, I, I think even negative experiences are really important. Rejections are important. These are all who make you the guy you are, you know. 
Shame DC and Marvel never learned being arrested. <laughs> no, I, I'm an optimist. I, I think it will be great. You know, I, I really do. And and here's a weird thing. Like, I know that you guys might disagree with this because I've seen the podcast, but I don't think there is an agenda within the companies. I, I, I really don't because I know the people. And and I think what it is is they're just desperately trying to think of something to say and something to do. You know, and, okay. and I think it's actually a lack of imagination. You know, but so I was like, gonna say if if it's if it, if there is no agenda, yeah, I I I will say I don't think that I know you know the, these people way more than I do, but just for, from somebody who's been collecting the 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 product uh, for a long thirty years, yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not some you know <clears throat> Wikipedia comic guy. Thirty years yeah. of, of collecting comics, and I've seen a lot of stories. I've some seen some incredible stories, and I've read some mess stuff. You know. But even when you read the mess stuff, it's just like, okay, you know, it, this one missed missed with me, but it doesn't matter. And then he got on to the next one, and he, you know, then he read a Jeff Loeb or something, a Jeff yeah. Johns, and you're like, well, this is fucking great. <laughs> but certainly in the last, the teens, the 20 teens, yeah. I, I, I've not just seen like a, no, you got an ebb and a flow. I've seen a boom, like a, like a, a, a just off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And not just in terms of quality, with, but the way the characters are written. The actual stories involved in the characters, the way that the characters behave. And there doesn't seem to be any... Um, the way that I would personally describe it is, to me, these franchises, Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, whoever it may be, um, when you put them in the hands of different creators, they, they're yeah. there to be trusted. Yeah. You know, you've got to, you've got to trust these creators with, with these characters to produce something which is akin to the core values of the, of the uh, actual character itself whereas you know by all means have your own little spin on it and and your own little whatever bring bring that freshness to the table but i'm seeing the creators just inserting 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 and we're getting way too much um my current ideological opinion and we're not getting what the character stands for we're not getting what the character um in a heroic sense uh, is portrayed we're not getting any of that. That seems to have been lost. And, and instead of getting a, a a Superman story written by author, we're getting an author story yes. that stars Superman. Yeah. It, it in, in this time where, uh, Mark, you, you said that like DC and Marvel don't have an identity. We're in the most identity-obsessed time ever. Yes. They don't. They don't. And I think a lot of that, this is just what I perceive as a paying customer of, uh, of these products, is it's a trickle-down agenda to use uh trickle down economics i don't think everybody's involved in it. i think there's massive incompetence in the industry it's also uh very risk averse mm-hmm. and it's and it's just easier to go one way uh and one of the biggest problems in the industry has been the writing it's not good but it's also just basic customer service which mm-hmm. is the one thing that's alienated the most comic fans that i've seen uh and, and that is over politics now whether it's some guy with his puppet strings. No, I, I just, I think it's a few well-placed HR people, middle management people who are pushing things a certain way uh, because they think it's the right way. I don't. Uh, and I think that's what a lot of fans perceive right now. I, I don't think everybody, I, I hear from people all the time, Mark, uh, who, who can't come on the record, unfortunately. Thank you for having the balls to be here, though. I appreciate that. Who say, hey, uh, I agree with you. We, we, there's something wrong. Well, I can't say anything or I'm going to get fired. Mm, that's, yeah. that's, 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 and that's mainly at Disney. I haven't talked to anybody at Marvel comics, but uh, that's mainly at Disney. 
and that's an atmosphere of fear and that mm -hmm. is part of an agenda if you're not letting other people speak openly now certain people can mark millar can uh but some people can't some on the on and and these are like directors and producers these aren't just like you know and i don't want to call them you know these aren't uh, below the line people uh, who work uh, post-production or anything. These are these are people who have worked on projects and then call me later and go, oh my God, the thing I worked on is just a giant piece of shit because they noted it to death with all these changes. Uh, I can't say which show it was. I wish I could, but uh, you could probably guess. It's a D-plus show for Marvel that came out in the last two years. You'll just say, I'll just say that. But uh, it, it it is there. Uh, and uh, I we just need a thousand more of you who just want to make good stories. That That's... A good see from the inside, now, this is the, the least interesting thing I could possibly say, but it's the truth of it is, I mean, I, I, I work with these guys in, in different studios. I'm great friends with loads of people at different studios. And one thing I've really realized is everyone's just trying not to get fired, right? Yeah. So their the, the number one thing is to try not to get fired. So what they're trying to do is come up with the next thing, right? And what I mean by that is, what looks at the moment like it's an agenda because you see a lot of things at once that, you know, follow a similar beat is really just people trying something different, right? So, and it didn't work, you know? So, so, but, and, and I don't mean that in a mean way, you know, it was just like, for example. No, I was thinking a mean thought. That's all. Yeah, I, I, I see like so many people, I mean, you guys talk about it. I've seen so many podcasts talking about like what's happened with the Star Wars movies in particular, the Marvel TV shows, the Marvel movies. And I think everybody feared there was a conspiracy of sorts, you know? But I know just from talking to these guys, they were just like, okay, what the hell do we do now? Like how, and it's, it's, not, it's not evil, it's actually just lack of imagination, right? So they're like, okay, what, what do we do next? Because I've, I've sat with them while they talk about it, these guys, and it's like, right, can we maybe expand this base by moving into this demographic? And, you know, do, do you think this looks old fashioned? We've been doing this for 20 years, should we be trying something new? And they actually have the best of intentions and just sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. But I know I'm friends with all the studio heads, most of the studio heads, and I know there's no call saying it must be like this. You know, it's like that. It just, it doesn't happen. They're just trying things and see when those things don't work, they all don't work at once because everybody was doing the same thing. And then my God, right now, Top Gun Maverick last year made so much money that mm -hmm. everybody's like, we need to do more stuff about cool guys doing cool things, you know? So, but it takes like three years yeah, 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 that yeah. actually coming through in cinema and television. So, like, there is no evil there, you know. Like, people are are honestly just trying their best and and failing. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I think <laughs> they're, right. They're, they're trying a... to come up with something that they hope they everything they do they hope people will like. Where I do think is a problem is they've got to not go on and antagonize a fan base. I think that is insane. Oh. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the first thing I would do if I took over like a, a like a Marvel or a Disney. Number yeah. one, I, I'd put I put a complete fucking ban on anyone communicating yeah. and on social media. Yeah. Uh, that that would be the number one thing. But the the, the thing that you mentioned that there's no plan. There's only so many times that we can hear that a character's been turned gay. Yeah. Uh, like you you know what you got Tim Drake Robin, possibly the best written Robin in terms of a character there's ever been. Yeah. Thirty years of of, of Robin with incredible storylines. And a very clever relationship with Stephanie Brown, for example, uh, dynamic. And then somebody comes and goes, let's just turn Tim gay. How, yeah. how do you think that's going to work? Just from a pragmatic point, if you want a gay character, bring a gay character in. Yeah. 
yeah. make an original gay character if you want to yeah. bring that character into the batman world bring it into the <clears throat> batman world bring it into somewhere yeah. but taking established characters and then just going we're doing this with it now and then not thinking that's going to have a blowback on the people who have been wait a minute i've been i've been reading this guy for 30 years and then but, suddenly you just want to intrinsically completely change the character and it's not just tim you know with aquaman uh, wonder woman Everyone's got a gay sidekick now. It's just like, how many gay sidekicks can we have? But here's the thing. Remember when you read Watchmen for the first time, right? Yeah. And like I read it when I was 17. And I remember they were talking about two of the characters in it from the 1940s. There was Doc. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Doc, yeah. I can't remember what it was called now. I can't believe I'm blanking on this. But two of the characters, Hooded Justice and Captain Metropolis, I think it was. There was a little subplot that they were in a gay relationship. And that was really interesting. Like, because You'd never seen this before, like in superhero comics. Yeah. You knew gay people in real life, but you didn't see anybody in the Justice League who was gay, you know? So it's like, it's kind of cool to do something you haven't seen before. And the way all trends work is that the guys who do something cool, everybody jumps on and they copy it. So I remember when Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee and everybody were drawn. They got him. You, know? you had like 10 years of Atlas doing. Uh oh. oh no. Marvel have got you. They've got you, Mark. They've they've come in with the internet line. I think these lines is the alpha writers really good story Some actors are gay, you know, it's it's just part of life, you know. And then, then three years later, guys who are less good. I'll get a good copy those guys from three years. And then because a lot of things appear at once, but I think like I say. It's just bad comics, you know, it's lack of imagination. Like, just thinking of a new thing. Alan Moore did something I'd never seen before in 1987, so you should do what he did. Try and do something we haven't seen before, but for 2023. Now we're seeing it to death. <laughs> yeah, it's time for another change. <laughs> and, and, uh, but then that trend will change. I remember when Superman had a mullet and everybody hated his mullet, you know, and then Superman's mullets... You know, it's, and they cut it, it off suddenly. And you cut it off <laughs> for the wedding. You cut it off on the wedding on the wedding issue. You know, uh, but I, I didn't. I, I, you could make you know, the mullet. Look fine, but... I love comics being about anything and being unrestrained and everything. You know, and and I, you know, the certain books aimed at certain audiences and everything. You know, but like, uh, but I love the fact that we're in a world now where we can sort of do anything. You know, like, imagine what it would have been like to work in a more restricted time. It is cool that we can do this, but. To me, the primary thing of a writer is to make it interesting. And if it's not interesting, that's the problem. And I'm yeah, bored, I think I'm I, bored to the point where I don't buy anything hardly anymore. And I'll, well, I'll, I totally see interest in comic books again. Hello. You know, the, you know, I go, we, we, Gary, he's got long, he used to have a comic shop. You know, I got yeah. 20 long boxes, you know, whatever. But but the, the, the problem being is they think because they can do what they want as new on yeah. an existing character you have to accept it because it's existing character. Yeah. That there doesn't seem to be any proper uh, thought about the process. Uh, oh, you like Superman. Ergo, if I do this to Superman, you'll like it because it's Superman. It doesn't yeah. work like that. And if you want to try something new and different, mm -hmm. whichever, however you want to categorize that, you can't necessarily expect a mainstream audience to go along with that because as much as they like to characterize us in in boxes yeah uh we're not we're all individuals and we all we all have our own own uh identities and our own 
uh, uh, lives, etc. I think these comics have been written by people who never read the characters. I, yeah. so I, I 100% think, agree. I don't think they read the books. Agree. So, so, and I think that's an industry-wide problem. Well, certainly a Marvel and DC problem. Yeah. People who have no real interest in the characters. And sometimes but they'll say it. You know, oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Tim Drake. I always thought he was gay. What? You know, it's just, um, no. It, how did you get that? You know, from from reading Tim Drake with Stephanie Brown for thirty years. But but I do think failure is important as well. You know, like the fact that Marvel hasn't really put out anything good in movie terms in four years or television. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, I mean, I watched um, the, the other week. I was watching with the kids uh, Spider Man Homecoming, right? Yeah, and I was startled how good it was. Right, that movie came out in twenty seventeen. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's filled with so many great moments. Right, it's, it's actually a really good film. I'm a Tobey Maguire guy, right? But at the same time, I really love. I was surprised how much I loved the movie, and my kids loved it, right? And then I watched. I was flying back from Oman. I was out in the Middle East a few weeks ago, and I was flying home and I had a big long flight, and I watched Batman Begins, and I was shocked how great that was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a 11 out of 10 movie. It's awesome, right? And we, we had it so good for so long, you know, that there was real auteurs, like people who really knew what they were doing were making these movies, like proper directors, proper writers, you know? Yeah. And then, then what they did was they overextended, you know, they, they were doing three of these a year, and then suddenly they're doing three a month. You know, I mean, it was preposterous, the amount of product out there. It just became like making baked beans. But what I think is important, though, is that you got to trust the market. The market has recoiled like crazy from what they've all been doing for the last four years. The numbers are horrific. And what's happening is a course correct, you know? So don't think right now there isn't meetings at Marvel Studios where they're like, how the hell do we fix this? You know, like, you know, the, every day must be terrifying in there right now. You're like, everybody can be fired at any moment. And, oh, well. and, and, and that's, that's healthy. But that's healthy because you're absolutely right, Mark. I mean, this this is and these companies aren't going to turn on the dime. Uh, the yeah. earliest we heard Disney's going to turn is 2026. Add a year to that because of the strike. And this is yeah. times. This is where people like you and Eric can come in and really make some waves while they're figuring it out. And that's usually where independent movements come from. While the big, you know, like that with it, that's the same way with you know publishing with music. Uh, even with you know film in the 70s uh it, they had this big paradigm we're in a paradigm shift now for in the entertainment industry as a whole across yes. the board and this is a time where the uh independents can come out and take advantage of uh, the corporations dragging their feet because they just can't move <coughs> don't you you think they'll, they'll just copy us five years on they'll copy what we did and yeah make the <laughs> exactly <laughs> but i mean and i say this with all the you know greatest respect for eric july in the world you know Two years ago, who who's Eric July? You know, in in term, in terms of uh, you know the amount of of marketing and and advertising and everything that you have with these major companies, DC, Marvel, all the writers, creators that ha that have been at that th those studios, uh, massive massive numbers. You got some guy who was in a conversation with this guy on a stream one day. And he just yeah. went, hey, Gary, should I just make my own universe? And go, yeah, I go for it. And now, look, this guy brings 3.4 million with Isom 1. Isom 2's just gone past 1.9 million. Still plenty of time left on the campaign for it to go soaring over 2 million. And this is this is an, a, a one guy with a vision. If one guy with a vision and, 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 a, and, a, and a direction that, that he just wants to put out something... <coughs> entertaining 
uh, to the audience, doesn't want to politicize it, just want and, and, and can do that sort of insane number. What could a DC and Marvel do if they got their asses into gear with the sort of talent which is a not under their banner at the moment that should be? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm still of the belief that people like Chuck Dixon should still be writing comics for bloody uh, DC today, or Imagine at the Chuck, very Chuck's least, Captain America. Chuck's yeah. Captain America would be amazing. Well, just even at the very least, if if Chuck didn't want to do that, at the very least, be a figurehead for for writers to 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 go through. You know, actor actors one of uh, one of those sort of figures, um, uh, but they could do something astronomical with their um with the, with their brands. I I had an interaction with Jim Lee uh, during COVID, uh, and it's an interaction which left me probably made my decision to give up on on DC. Mm-hmm. And and uh, the the COVID was going on, comic shops were tumbling down, just mm-hmm. tumbling down because they weren't getting the sales. What a period. Never mind because of Coof. They just weren't getting sales because of the, the collapse in the market. Because yeah. nobody was buying mainstream comics anymore. Yeah. And Jim Lee's there draw, drawing a, a, an image. And, you know, you might be good friends with Jim Lee. But he's just there drawing an image every day and putting up, I'm doing 60 images for 60 days. For, for, and then we're going to give these to charity to be auctioned off. And the charity itself didn't just cover comic shops. It covered bookshops. So, so the cut that a comic book shop would get from the auction of one of his comics was literally cents, <coughs> a couple of cents. Yeah. And and so I I interacted with Jim Lee. Fair, fair enough. He actually responded to me, uh, and I and I said, Jim, I said, don't you think it'd be much uh, better use of your time for you guys to make a comic for the comic shops to sell, mm. a special. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman together in a special comic for comic book shops to rally sales for comic book shops. Uh, and and it, the, by the time you drew that and it was written and drawn that, that would be <laughs> the similar type, sort of time period to all yeah. these little drawings that he did. And his response to me was, well, don't you think an anthology of my drawings is going to sell? And I was, I was thinking in my brain, no. I mean, it will sell at a small number, but it certainly yeah. wouldn't sell the number of, of a comic that was written by Jeff Loeb, drawn by Jim Lee, get the Hosh team back together, or whatever, you know, however you want to do, but get get that together. And you give that to a comic book shop to sell as this special, you know, this this spe- that would sell way, way more than, than any than he, any put together art book. But I, I, was just, I was thinking, uh, this is a guy who's who's... Editor in chief, this is the guy who's head honcho and, and calling allegedly calling the shots at DC. I thought, but I think this is, this is symptomatic of whenever a bigger company owns your company. Like, I, I think there's something amazing about you living and dying on your publishing because it really focuses you on your publishing. Think about it this way you walk into Starbucks and you strike up a conversation with the guy behind the counter, mm-hmm. and he's not massively engaged. It doesn't matter to him if the shop makes a lot of money that day or it just makes an okay amount of money, he's getting paid. Whereas if it's a little coffee shop that one guy owns, you know, a family business, they do everything to get your business and get you back again yeah. next day. And I think this is what happened to the big two in general. You know, like it, it, like I say, they, they, they weren't too bothered whether they made a lot of money or a little amount of money or even no money because they were subsidized by other divisions within the company. So no disrespect to Jim, I think this is across the whole big two. I think that 
they're not that worried about sales. It's everybody's thinking about their individual jobs. And I think people are just trying to keep their head down. What I love about the Joe Quesada era, era at Marvel, where I came in, I came in in the year 2000, and Marvel, they were filing for Chapter 11 the year before, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what was amazing was that we really felt this was going down, right? We thought, there's one last chance here. Like, this company can't even afford to give you a free coffee when you come in for a meeting, right? And like we thought there's one last chance to actually make this work. And every every single sale counted. Everybody was firing on all cylinders. It was like 50 Eric Julys, you know, like everybody yeah. was thinking, how do I make my little thing work? And if you light up your own patch, you've got a an illumination, you know, suddenly everybody is working in the same direction and you have something awesome. And within two years, Marvel was on the front of um Fortune magazine, and I think it was the 2002 business success story. They turned it around. Bill James and Joe Quesada, between the two of them, and Avi Arad over on the film side, um, they turned that company around. And, and it can be done so quickly, but if that was part of a massive organization worth 160 billion like Disney, would those profits have mattered? Not really, you know? And I, and I think that's the problem. In some ways, that's sort of be pretty good if everything was a little bit more autonomous again. You know, that's what I'd, I'd like to see happen at Marvel. And also, I think it would be braver as well because these guys don't want to do a storyline that Twitter goes crazy over and they all get fired. You know, that yeah, Stan Lee did stories back in the 60s. Stan was doing stories about LSD, you know, drug addiction, uh, race relations, you know, all these things that were kind of taboo subjects. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have to remember like Kirk kissing Ahura was banned. In some places, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so so Stan Lee was writing stories about race relations for children at a time whenever Kirk wasn't allowed to kiss Ahura on TV. You know, so like comics has always been at its best when it's at its most dangerous. I don't know if Disney's a dangerous company. Yeah, I mean, I was the I was looking at more along the lines of if you lose your comic book stores, yeah, you ain't got a place to sell your comics. Because yeah. what you're gonna do then go direct to the customer, the people you've been yeah. telling the fuck up yeah. for the last ten years. I mean, when you get yeah. like idiots, I mean, it's, I mean, I shouldn't really say it. They might be friends of yours, but to me, they're idiots. Uh, so like a Dan Slot who says, "No, our customer is the comic book store, not yeah. you." That is the most <coughs> uh, stupid thing that you could possibly say. Uh, the the most lack of awareness thing that you could possibly say because without your customer buying it from the comic book store, you ain't got any customers. Period. And, and so the comic book stores are going to fail. So I'm I'm looking at it just from the perspective of. Sorry, go on, go on. For me, I think you look at uh, more successful industries and you think, okay, what do I do? What, what are we doing wrong that um, other industries are doing right? And I think like the publishers and the distributors and uh, the comic book store are, are one thing, really. You know, they all work together. Like they all mm -hmm. fail without the other, and yes. they're prime. The, the people they're trying to seduce is the customer. They should all be yes. working. To, How can I make this as easy as possible and as attractive as possible for the customer? But I just think there's some very simple business lessons that the industry needs. Like, uh, I do feel that when I was, before I got into the industry, it felt like it was being run by grown-ups and guys mm -hmm. who had a real interest in, in publishing. And I do feel we need that, but it can happen quickly. I mean, I remember Marvel was a mess just before I came in. It was a total mess. And then Marvel came in and it was revolutionized. Bill Jameis was amazing. And I know he gets a lot of flack. Bill's a great friend of mine to this day. I speak to Bill all the time. Um, Bill Jameis is a genius. And he had the most amazing contracts across corporate America who 
were very interested in the Marvel brand once Bell went into the room and started talking to them about it. And what we need is leaders like that. You know, we need people in charge of the company like this that go in and sell Marvel and DC to the wider world, not necessarily in a movie way, to sell those comic books again. Because, I mean, Marvel in particular has been the cornerstone of Hollywood for a quarter of a century. I mean, that's mind-blowing. It's, the, it's the, the amount of profit compared to any other aspects in Hollywood, but the comics hasn't capitalized on that. We need somebody that will come in and shake that up and make that happen. Because my aunts know who Tony Stark is now. Like, when I was a kid, I was the only person who knew who Tony Stark is. My aunts know who Tony Stark is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he used to be a B-list hero. It's crazy. It is crazy because I even got to know him pretty well before Iron Man came out, like games and stuff. I was just like, this guy's really cool. They should make a movie yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. And they did. And my God, they cast it well. Yeah, I think Teen Titans is a franchise that I, it feels to me like you remember in the 1990s, like all the X Men fans, you know, they had the X Men cartoon and that paved yeah. the way for that X Men movie and everything. Teen Titans, I think, is DC's most valuable franchise. I think it's, I yeah. mean, my kids, my kids love Teen Titans. Like, the cartoon shows are awesome, you know, both versions of the cartoon. The brand recognition is enormous, you know. Mm -hmm. there's, there's some real gold that's not been properly mined yet, I think, you know. Like, DC's X-Men. Yeah, uh, really yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, God, man, George Perez. Fuck. It's mm. the best. I mean, the year Marvel, I mean, 1980s DC, Crisis Niffin the Earth. Everything George did was gold. I mean, yeah. everything, everything he did was gold. See, when it, whenever he died... I remember thinking about him that day, and I went back and I just looked at his bibliography, and I was thinking, my God, is there any any artist with a better career than George Perez? Like everything, even in his kind of older years where people normally tail off, George was still knocking it out there. You know, I mean, it was great, great stuff. Everything he touched was was mm -hmm. an event. You know, amazing. If I could um, ask a question, about like, I'm curious as a, as, I assume full career writer, how do you feel yeah. about the? sort of general industries with writers in terms of the skill overall over the past few decades? Do you feel there's been a decline? Do you feel the pool has changed? Or do you think it's something else that might be leading to projects <coughs> declining in quality? Um, that's a really good question. I think um, everybody who's 50 always says it's declined. You know, so like uh, you know, my natural instinct is yes, because I'm, I'm reading less. But then I remember there's some really good people through like, uh, you know, James Tinian, I think, is a terrific writer. You know, he's 32 or whatever, you know, just coming up. Absolutely brilliant. Knocking it out of the park. His independent books sell as much as Batman, you know, which is incredible. And, and so there's always good guys <coughs> coming through. Um, but I think I think we... we like that, that period where I came through, I felt as if there was a big wide range of good people. Like mm. there was a lot of good people. All, all happening at once, and they were all happening in one place. My worry is I think they're maybe spread out a little too thin. I think there's a lot of really talented people, but there are too many companies now. Because there's all this um, hedge fund money has come into comics and loads of fake companies kind of like starting up and that are running at a massive loss, but they're hoping to sell it as the next Marvel. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all these companies out there. Um, there's too many creators spread over, you know, a finite number of creators spread over too many companies. But if all these guys were working at Marvel, DC, and maybe Image or something, you know, I think everybody would be aware of all the good books that's there. You'd have really great writers working with really great artists instead of them being at different companies, you know. So I feel the industry feels very disassembled to me right now. Uh, the secret ingredient, and this is old school, right, but the secret ingredient is you get a brilliant writer and a brilliant artist and put them on a brilliant character, and it just works, you know. Like, that's a crazy idea. 
It's nuts, you know, but, but, but these guys, they're all, they're all off doing this stuff with hedge fund money and all that, you know, and, you know, if, if you had a brilliant guy doing Green Lantern and a brilliant artist drawing it, that book's going to do over 100,000 copies, you know, like, I just think, um, I think it's going to happen naturally. I think this hedge fund money is going to disappear because they're going to realize no Hollywood company's coming to buy their, their company. The, the bottom's already falling out of that market, you know, mm. I can smell the instability. I can see the blood in the water. Here, you know, so I think a lot of those companies are going to disappear. What my prediction is over the next few years is I actually think there's going to be a consolidation to the characters that people have heard of. Now, here's I've got this crazy theory, right? I'm good. The kids are desperate to watch this movie, right? So but I'll give you this theory before okay. I go. Right? Now everybody hates this theory, but it's true, right? So like <laughs> but what it is is I think every 20 years or so, there's a five-year window where people want new stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and then they just want to enjoy that new stuff, right? So what happens is, for example, Marvel was created in the early 1960s, and then people just loved those Marvel characters. They didn't need new guys. They had the Fantastic Four. They had Daredevil, Spider-Man, and everything. They weren't they weren't that interested in seeing new stuff 10 years later. There was a couple of things, Punisher, Wolverine, few interest, Blades, you know. But for the most part, that stuff was mainly created in the five-year window, which roughly correlated with DC's five-year window with the Silver Age revamps and the Golden Age characters. Between 1938 and 1943, the entire DC universe was created, really, you know, um, from Superman through Captain Marvel and everything you probably understand now as DC characters. Um, and even 2008 to 2013, you had Kick-Ass, you had Kingsman, you had Saga, you know, all, all these things that became mainstream indie hits. Um, but then 1988 to 1993, you had a five-year window where you had uh, Hellboy, uh, you know, Sin City, 300, all these really gr- great mass appeal, uh, new new ideas. And then people just want to settle down and enjoy it for a while. They don't need constant new invention. And I think we're in a period like that now. We've had a huge number of new characters out there, huge over the last 15 years. But I think people want a little bit of consolidation. And usually the industry gets rebuilt on those cornerstones of Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Hulk, those kind of characters. Yeah. So I think some A-list characters coming in for a few years, A-list writers coming in for a few years doing the A-list characters. That's going to bring people back into stores again. You know, I think characters you've heard of being done by brilliant creative teams is so novel. Like if, imagine Olivia Coipel drawing Justice League and Warren Ellis writing it. Like, you, you would buy it. You, you would order it now if you heard that was getting made. You know, so I think we need 20 books like that for a couple of years. And everybody hates to hear this, but it's true. And when Marvel Comics does well for a couple of years, then we can expand and rebuild you the mem- You mentioned in, uh, a little earlier about the development of social media and how it may have affected a lot of the ways people sort of develop skills and maybe yeah. younger writers, even developing writers right now. It could. Do, do you think maybe that could disrupt that flow you expect to see, how social media works these days? What it might do is distract people who would otherwise be great. You know, like I know a lot of a lot of my friends didn't bother coming into comics. They loved comics, but they went into video games. And I was mm. like, guys, you could make a lot more money in comics. You know, like they thought gaming was going to make them more cash, and they thought comics was unstable. And I was like, if you're a big comic book artist, you're making fifteen hundred dollars a page. You can make ten grand for a cover. You sell your original art. You know, it's like it's it's not a poor industry, and that's even in not good times. So I, I always I always try and play up. How glamorous the job is! It's an awesome job, right? Like, yeah, I saw Artsy Bear's Garden today. Bloody hell! You only ever hear the the, the bad news, you know. But like, um, but there's a lot of great stories in comics as well. Like people who've had amazing careers and 
done really well at doing something they love. So, I mean, if I talk a lot in universities and schools, I go back to my old school a lot, and every kid who's interested, I'm like, do it, do it. If, if an idiot like me can do it, you know, like go go and give this a try. All right. Well, uh, how much longer have we got you for, Mark? Do you know, I I think I I know the takeaways here. I know what the boss set up. And my children and their friends are sitting there. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing this because I remember liking this. Like Henry Cavill was really great in that movie. He's wasn't great he? in He's it. My so favorite Mission Impossible, I think, is brilliant. Here. Oh, yeah, Fallout. Fall I just watched it last night, and I was yeah. just like, God damn this. This was a great okay. film. Well, one of my pals was at school with Henry Cavill. Oh, wow. And, uh, wow. I was talking to him. Uh, he's a new friend, the guy I've just known for a couple of years. And I said to him, is it true that Henry Cavill used to be... Fatty Cavill. Yeah. He always tells that story on chat shows. Yeah. He was like, yeah, he was kind of chunky, you know. He was he wasn't because Henry Cavill's like the most handsome man alive, you know. And yeah. I was like, I don't believe you were ever a chunky kid, you know, no way, you know. <laughs> Apparently he was. He's and and that's what I love about him. I love the fact that he loves his Warhammer and he makes his computers yeah. and all that, you know, like yeah, he's kind of like our brain and Superman's body, you know. So that's good. Massive fan of Geralt, wow. of you know, the richer, and here he yeah. is dream role, and they managed to run him out. And yeah, well done. I, I love that he believes in it though. You know, I love yes. the fact that he's I think there's an authenticity Cavill that I I, I I love him. I'll watch anything Cavill's in. I think he's great. Same, yeah. Mark, thanks, thanks for hanging for so long. We yeah. really appreciate it, man. It was great. A total pleasure. Uh, Next time we're all at the same convention, we'll do it with some beers as well. You know, <laughs> well, maybe not Gary. <laughs> I'll buy you a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Gary will have a sparkling water and a I'll slice of lemon and stuff. Yes. Uh, Mark, thank you so much indeed uh, for giving up your time today. Big Game is out tomorrow in tomorrow. comic book stores. Uh, is there anywhere else that you can guide people to uh, to picking it up? Um, you know, who cares about anything that's not a comic book store? Forget all the other yeah. places. You know, I hate digital. <laughs> yeah. I hear all this stuff. Just stay away from the Russian pirate sites. And uh, yeah. just just go to your comic book store and pick this up. You know what? Like, if you don't, so I heard this amazing thing. I was listening to this economics podcast, and this woman said something that really haunted me. She said, "You manifest the world you want to live in with your dollars, and it's like if you don't put your dollars in that comic store, it disappears. Like you create, yeah, yeah. That. you you create things by supporting things, you know. And your retailers are guys like us that love this stuff, and they've actually taken a big roll of the dice and the." It doesn't make a lot of money, you know, uh, but they love it. And if you love it existing, get in there and support them. Whether you buy my book tomorrow when we launch this big crossover, which is awesome, by the way, so do buy it. But like, uh, but or, or you buy something else, just get in there and support your your comics shop. Hell yeah! Hell Thank yeah. you so much. I really do appreciate that, Matt. Thank you so much. Enjoy Mission Impossible Six Fallout. I will do. Great film. All the best, guys. All right, you Same take care. Dude. See you soon. See you again soon. Get him back. Mark Millar, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Woo! Well, uh, Damn, that was good. That was good, man. That was good. Woof. Woof. Time kind of flew. We only meant to have Mark for an hour. We got him for two. We got him for two. <laughs> Buy one, yeah, go free. I don't know. Yeah. Do that. There you go. Buy one, Mark. Get one mark for free. There you go. How are you doing, boys? Good. It's all right, isn't it? It's good. Doing what? 
Okay. I, mean, I think up. chat wanted me to talk more, but you have to understand, I want to listen. <laughs> I want to yeah. hear what the man has to say. My phone was like vibrating this whole time. I'm like, what the fuck? And I think the, the maids are like cleaning the floor. Oh. <laughs> so it's like, oh. like what's going on? <laughs> you weren't picking up, we weren't picking up any sounds, so it's all okay. good. Yeah. Or vibrations, good vibrations. But yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, this is the first time I've spoken to Mark. Um, this is my first, I think, interaction with Mark. But I pre-ordered a big game based based off the fact that I was buying his stuff and enjoying his stuff. And uh, yep. it's, I think, it's indicative of of. I mean, just listening to the guy, then you can see how how uh, passionate he is. Um, you can see how much he, he loves the industry, loves what he does, loves the fans. And uh, is it any wonder that it's reflected in his work? Hmm. Stroke beard. Hmm. Yes. It's as if, it's as if you do that, you can gravitate towards a customer. And I can't Ooh. recommend this enough, dude. Uh, Nemesis Reloaded. I got the issues, not the not the uh, graphic. I did too, but here's the here was the problem I had. All my Mark Millar comics were in my storage. I don't even know where my storage <laughs> is. My wife <laughs> had the storage. My son took it there. I couldn't find it if I wanted to. I'm like, fuck. I need. I've got wanted. I've got all these books. Now I had to go. I had to go to a a, a comic shop and and buy them all. So I did. Nah, that's cool. I write them off, and I read them uh, again, and. uh yeah. I yeah, yeah. Order date 23rd of June for big game. I also ordered it a month ago. Yeah, I have no idea where my comics are. I, I, and I, some in my closet, but the rest of them, not a clue. <laughs> so if you take ask, me a message, I wouldn't know. Good man, though. That was good, good conversation. Good man. Uh, so refreshing. So refreshing yeah. to have a conversation like that. I'm very yeah, smart. New, you know, understood the industry. Uh, can identify where Dude, he thinks things are to change. What what he's pulled off that like every comic creator uh, from that genre, like before the lunch pail guys, like uh, Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan, like he's achieved what every single one of them have wanted, and like Warren Ellis like wants TV shows. Grant Morrison wants TV shows, but nobody's been able to pull off pull off what Mark Millar has been able to pull off, and and I think part of it is he's such a nice normal family guy right so it's mm. probably very easy to deal with and mm. uh and and he's also you know had matthew vaughn make a couple of his movies which helps a lot too uh dude kingsman is not a my, bad person to have <laughs> is in my top 10 for movies like i fucking love damn, that movie. time oh so good yes i fucking love kingsman it's so damn good <laughs> And, and like I was watching on the big screen and I saw like, man, it's got 2015 CGI, but it's like just little stuff. Didn't bother me at all. Uh, didn't bother me at all. And I loved Kick-Ass. I love that the part of Kick-Ass takes place in a comic shop from Phoenix, by the way. Yeah. Comics that's not around. And then part of it takes place in the back alley of a comic shop. Hey, uh, what's up? Car Car Carolyn is here. Cara. What's up, lady? Not Cara. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Cara. see, you. I'm gonna see your boss in a couple days at Comic Con. Are you all, are you all set and ready? Fuck no! I didn't even bring a power strip. That's why I've got like my camera is 
it's plugged in over there. Everything's plugged into every. So if I walk, I'm going to trip over cords in here. Like, <laughs> oh, so retarded. Just because I forgot a power strip. I forgot. I remembered everything. And one of my cameras died. So pissed. But oh. uh, no, I, I'm ready. Uh, Comic Con's going to be pretty easy. Uh, Gabe El Taib uh, gave us space, uh, me and Garrett space at his booth Thursday. So that's day after tomorrow. If you're at Con from 5 30 to 6 30, I will be at that booth. Uh, I was supposed to hang with Chris tonight, but I can't because I got work and mom stuff to deal with. I was going to see Oppenheimer tonight. Mm, I'm going to see Oppenheimer on Monday. Monday. I heard it's good. I heard it's good. It's going to be a crazy trilogy, man. That is going to be one crazy trilogy. The 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 Atomic Verse. Chris Nolan's The Atomic Verse. Oppenheimer. Is, uh, is Bobby set in the same universe or is that, is that a spinoff? It's a spinoff. Bobby Heimer. It's, it's the result of uh, all the atomic uh, fallout. Fallout. <laughs> no, I'm not going to watch Barbie. No. What if it's good as? Hmm? I got. I have tickets to fucking Chris. This is, uh, Chris is like, I'm going to Barbie. You got to go, dude. My motherfuck. No Bobby. way I'm seeing Barbie unless a bunch of people I trust say I should see it. That's the only way that happens. I'm going well, to uh, laugh at it, hopefully, because like, I yeah. I don't think I could drag my mates, and I am certainly not going to a Barbie movie on my own. <laughs> Why not? Well, I, what what looks worse, going with a bunch of your bros or going out your own? Yeah, I don't even. <laughs> I would rather, I would rather people think, "Oh, look at those bunch of gay guys going to watch Barbie," than a guy on his own going to watch Barbie. Going down the barbar, uh, the the barbarian, barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. Mm, uh, kind of. God. Hey, uh, I mean, we're already up against the clock because that was not meant to be an hour with Mark, and it was two. Uh, so we've only got an hour left. So we, we really should do some supers. Um, I have actually slipped the video out during this stream, uh, oh, which is part slut. of the conversation. Part Hell yeah. God damn right I am. Um, which is about uh, the craziness in the box office at the moment. With uh, Did you see CBR yesterday? Indiana Jones has made its budget back. It's broke even. You know, you know that, was, that was too retarded for AI. So you know an actual person. Yes. That. Yes. An actual person <laughs> yes. thought they could run with that. So there was either two, just two positions there. Number one, they are retarded. Yes. Uh, number two, they're a lying fucking retarded person. Oh, and also, speaking of retarded access media, uh, his name is Noah Berzinski. Belinsky. I did a video on him a couple videos ago. Uh, he's the one who wanted a little more January 6th in his Indiana Jones. There wasn't enough anti-Semitism in his Indiana Jones to show how bad Nazis were. Uh, turns out, big fan of the playground, this guy. Big Oh, oh. Are you shocked? I'm not shocked. Are you talking about the guy that was just like, oh, people are just so nasty to pitters. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. They're just, just like, got a king. <laughs> yeah, he, he, needs, uh, he, needs, he needs to hang that map on a no. wall against the wall. As we talked about, you know, in my office, I have some maps, uh, and mm. they can be hung. They can be pinned against the wall or hung from the ceiling. 
Yeah. I find if you have too many maps, though, Gary, and you need some space, you could always dump them in the wood chipper. In the wood chipper, uh, mm. the shredder, whatever. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so the, he, I guess he wrote an article about Sound of Freedom, calling it more QAnon stuff, and then uh, people looked into him and uh, mm. oopsie-daisy. Looks like he wanted to look into something himself. Yep. Oh, man. And uh, are we surprised? These Is this our surprise face? That's my surprise face. Honestly, Mainstream I, media surprise face. I was thinking it when I, when I looked the guy up, because I was, I, that article was so fucking dumb. It was an Indiana Jones uh, video I did, and it was just on one article, and it was an opinion piece about like how Hollywood isn't basically doing enough to show that Nazis are bad. <laughs> I think Hollywood's done a pretty... You know what? I criticize them as much as anybody. I don't think they've undersold how bad the national socialists are. Okay? I, I don't think at any point in time have they like been soft on them. They've been soft on communism communism and communists but not on the national socialists not at all aren't they synonymous with the bad guys they are like this, i mean they're the one bad guys who like put skulls on their shit and everything <laughs> you know I mean? they're like they weren't quiet about it you know uh if, if you have to tell somebody that nuts is bad then i don't know i don't know what to say I think hollywood's doing enough I think Hollywood's doing enough to drive people away from watching their movies. Yeah. Yep. Uh, like Mission Impossible 7? Okay, domestic, not great. But internationally, 155 well, million I, I, internationally. I think it'll perform kind of like No Time to Die did and previous Mission Impossible films. And it'll just have legs. Yeah, I know. Does it hit a billion? I don't know. 800, 900 million? Could very easily just throughout the summer, especially since... What do we got left? Uh, Oppenheimer is not going to uh, do well. I mean, it's no, well, it's be, not going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's three hours long. It's a biopic. Uh, it's it's R rated. Uh, Barbie will probably do well. I don't fucking know. Don't probably. Care. I don't. <laughs> but Mission yeah, I, 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 I have no idea about Barbie. Honest to God, I've, I don't know if it's going to do. Like they're projecting like a hundred and ten, a hundred and twenty yeah. million. But yeah. I think. You know, we saw early signs with this with even Guardians, which ended up doing well, but it didn't it did do well. well as its predecessor. Uh, even not adjusted for inflation, it did not do as well as as uh, Guardians 2. Uh, it had a soft first weekend. It legged it out for the summer. They put it on digital. It probably could have uh, done better if they didn't put it on digital. But rated R for radiation. <laughs> Oops. Wait. <laughs> There. I forgot. I'm using a different soundboard. There. I'm just going to go through all my buttons. Yeah. Yes. There we go. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think Mission Impossible will do fine for the rest of the summer because there isn't shit coming out after. Uh, no, the, the audience that goes to see a Mission Impossible film doesn't go, oh, I might see Oppenheimer instead. I might see Barbie instead. That's not really... I don't see much no. crossover no. there, so. Sure it was hilarious, Mahler, is we had this fucking glut of movies over the last, what is it, three, four weeks. We just have movie, yeah. movie, movie. Yes. Be a desert for the next I don't, I don't think I've been to the cinema as much as I have in the last few weeks than I have in the last decade. Uh, yeah, uh, I've been to the cinema a lot. Uh, the pictures. 
Did but, you did you realize that Marvel have just realized that nobody has a fucking clue who Ms. Marvel is? Oh, because they're releasing it on Saturday night at 11 on ABC. That's their big solution when nobody watches TV. I can't wait to I'm going to do Wait, uh, what is this now? We're all going to do videos on the ratings which are going to be absurdly <laughs> They're going to be lower than the streaming service. Oh, okay, so Miss Marvel Mahler, if you haven't heard, they're putting it on network television. Uh, for now, Disney owns the American Broadcasting Corporation, ABC. Right. For now. Uh, for now. Looks like they're going to sell it. They're, but, selling, uh, they're pretty much saying every franchise is up for sale right now. So, uh, uh, they're doing, now they've done this in the past. They've put stuff on network television. They put it on Hulu. And I, it seemed, I, I even forgot to put it in my next video. This seemed to, this has disappeared. They got caught fudging the fucking numbers for streaming by counting yes. Hulu and broadcast uh versions of andor and other show well i think it was and they did it with andor but it was pre it was two previous shows before andor uh and they got busted for that that that's basically lying to the advertisers lying to the investors and that's 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 actually a crime yes yes yeah so now they're doing it with miss marvel and believe me as the strike goes on you're gonna see a lot of disney plus stuff go on network they'll put they'll they'll you know because they they have no late night so they can just put these shows in the late night slot, and they did it on Saturday. It's eleven, right, folks? Eleven p.m. Who's gonna watch? I mean, I guess <laughs> their lowest Marvel. viewed Disney streaming Marvel Universe show is going on ABC at eleven p.m. because they realized nobody knows who this fucking character is, and they have a film coming out with them in it. Hmm. Dude, this these strikes are such a disaster. And you know what? Uh, aside from the fact that like uh, the producers did respond about three or four days ago with what they're willing to do, and there's some pretty significant price hikes for actors and dancers and stuff. I uh, I think the fight. I think the WGH tried to downplay this, but the fight is over AI, of course, and residuals. Uh, but we know that the residuals really aren't there. They just aren't there. So uh, this is a fight for a shrinking pie. This is about money. It's about fucking AI. It's about money. It's about a shrinking pie. And more and more people are now coming out and saying this just, as, as we said from the start, it's a purge. There's half the people are going to be gone. So this is this is their last ditch effort. Uh, but it's so poorly timed because it's so different than it was uh, back in 2008. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's kind of, you know, striking during its apocalypse. And that's kind of, I made a video on that. But, well, uh, like they, they, desperate for bigger pieces of pie, but the companies are like, we don't actually, we can't even give you that. Well, <laughs> we yeah. Don't. How, how can you have a big, a bigger piece of a pie that is, is, shrinking. is tiny? Yes. Yeah. I Why had the She-Hulk, one of the She-Hulk writers who, who looks like an, Gary, just uh, Molly, imagine in your head, um, a crazy SJW person. Just imagine. Right. That's what the writer looks like. Yes. You mean that like is exactly that is exactly what the She-Hulk writer looks like. Yeah. And they and they're complaining they got three hundred and ninety-eight dollars in residuals for She-Hulk. And I and I'm thinking to, and complaining. And I'm thinking to myself, what did you expect? Well, it is crazy, right? Because if if a bunch of chefs went on strike and we found out that all that they cooked was basically burnt rotten food, mm -hmm. we'd all be like, well. 
I mean, what? <laughs> and that's the, yeah. But there's n there's never a sort of conversation about that. I've seen it like develop over time in different forums. It's like, do we actually have anything to say about whether or not we believe? Like, would you all be as in favor of them getting their equal share, so to speak, if you believed all of their writing was abhorrent, yeah. just terrible, failing their jobs, and the the projects they write for are all suffering monetarily? And all the jobs that are associated with those jobs that rely on a strong foundational script suffer as a result. Which, by the way, there's a lot of truth to that. Like, all the guys that work to make stunts or the CG for any movie, and that's a whole other subject on its own, right? Getting right pay for special effects artists. If you have a shitty script and it tanks an IP, that's it for them. They're not coming back for the next one. It's not going to happen. No. Well, what, I mean, what about Christina Hobson? Oh, um, Birds of Prey? Birds of Prey writer, yeah. the Flash writer, Birds of Prey lost money, came out before COVID hit, lost money. And now she's in, the, Flash, she's in the writing Losing room. hundreds of millions of dollars, lost hundreds of millions. Now she's in the writer's room, just about to say, now she's in the writer's room for James Gunn's DC Universe. Well, that's what the union preserves, fucking pieces of shit like that. Because if you're a writer worth your salt, you're like, why in the fuck would you sign a deal where you're getting paid off of Trust me, bro. That's essentially like the, the union signed you up for that deal to protect bad writers. There is no job on this planet I'd work at where they go. Trust me, bro. So was Bumble was Bumblebee a, a fluke by her? Is that a is that her fluke, Bumblebee? Because Bumblebee was a good film, I thought. Well, you come across some. I've seen some people say like Mission Impossible Three. They love it as even the direction, right? From JJ. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. they despise. His work with Star Trek, Star Wars, and several others. It's like, so did he? Do we just luck out with one of them? Or it depends on how you feel about Mission Impossible Three, of course. But I think I, it's writing within your wheelhouse. That's what I truly think it is. I think I think with with Bumble, I, I don't know. Bumblebee was fine. The opening was, it was great. Fine. It was good. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's good. I thought it was. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I didn't leave. Yeah. I thought it's the best Transformers movie there have been. Yeah. And JJ worked as a gun for hire on a Mission Impossible film produced by Tom Cruise, who's not going to put up with a bunch of shit. So JJ, yeah, because it, it went through bad reboots. And I believe yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman carried a lot of Mission Impossible 3. The reputation that film has is boosted heavily by his... People treat him as like yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. best villain ever. He's in it for like less than he's not five him. minutes. Yep, It's ridiculously small, the role, but he he takes up so much of the presence. No, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it's got Just to do with to the, clarify, torture, the torture scene. That's what, what I was saying mm -hmm. is yeah. are these writers for streaming... Uh, have no idea what their uh, the numbers are that their residuals are based on. That three hundred ninety six dollars could be fucking accurate for all I know. Exactly. Could, uh, like, and, and if you want to bitch about it, well, well, what if you find out that it's accurate? What if the WGA knows it's accurate because they have access to the numbers, but they're not sharing them? Well, uh, they're never going to share unless unless they're mandated to do so. They're never telling us what these streaming. And if you're not telling people what these streaming numbers are, what does that say? Because well. as one thing that we know about studios is they love to fucking brag when something's going well. They do. So they these numbers are extremely low, and we're finding that out now. That that's, well, that's actually starting to come out. They've all been part of the party for the past few years of just fucking spending the shit out of money. Everybody all over the place, all these projects. Um, the the rise, of course, just rushing out projects as well. Because I, you know, you, I assume you guys have seen those sentiments like, uh, hello, anything you enjoyed was also written by writers. It's like, oh, yeah, of course, <laughs> I understand that. 
I understand that there may very well be many instances of writers not being paid what they're owed, in which case, like contractually, when they've done their job well, that's awful and that should be corrected. Yes. But um, it feels weird. I, I, I think I made this analogy on an EFAB, but I was like, if you've got someone who wrote you know, something incredible and they're picketing because they were actually like screwed out of a contract through a lot of middle management and loopholes. And then you have someone next to you fucking working on She-Hulk being like, yeah, man, we should be paid more. It's like, I don't know. I don't know about that. That feels a bit, again, good argument. You know, I I just, yeah. And I just don't think people are ready to think of writing that way. I feel like it's binary. If you wrote something, you've done your job. You're a writer. It doesn't matter if it's really that good or that bad. It's not as long as you've, put word to page and submitted it there you go you're a writer and to be fair to an extent that's true it's just that it would be nice if we had a bit more quality control and then we you know echelons would pay because some of the highest paid writers are some of the most like lowest reputation writers like um like kurtzman for example or people who and you like uh loveness and uh waldron right get it attached to avengers films that's some of the highest paid writing jobs you could get these are people who were really good at gaming the system. They were not good at writing. So they were gaming a system where a, it was a big fucking party. There was a bunch of money that was being thrown around like they were yeah. printing it. Uh, part of that is due to subsidies from the government. Uh, you know, like they were able to ignore movie theaters because we bailed them out for, so they could dive into streaming and kill the movie theater. And now they're going to kill it again. Yeah, I'm never going to fucking let that go. I think that bailout was fucking terrible. Goes, that phase four party they never wanted to end yep yep it's over so yeah it's over it, it, i mean and i do believe marvel probably is sitting around going fuck yep what do we do now well it's going to be three years and guess what nobody's going to give a shit in three years nobody's going to care uh, people are already like moving to to maybe action films that are much cheaper to make but look for hollywood you know it's it they were taking shots at independent stuff but it was with those prestige series that were being thrown on stars and stuff that nobody was was seeing right so like yeah yeah for every one good show there was like a hundred bad ones when it used to be for every one good show there used to be like 10 bad ones mm. the uh, action movie rise seems very viable alongside like you'll get some video game adaptations they're going to get a lot of attention as well judging from you know the future of the fucking mario movies they're probably gonna make a shit ton of them yep um, all the different projects that are coming for all different kinds of IPs that are all going to feel really new and fresh because they're all based on it, it's going to be the comics again I think but with games um, and it's going to be really cool maybe at first and then it might go through the same cycle and depress the shit out of you yeah. welcome to that it will not be fun for you as to go through all of that again but with games uh, well, I mean, I've, we've already started I mean, you like The Last of Us I, I well, thought to it be was fair, absolutely abysmal we've abysmal. been through it already as an era Video game adaptations have been bad just oh, from the get go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had Tomb Raider movies uh, and shit Actually, like that. I don't, I don't hate the first. <laughs> the first one, I, the first one, I think is okay. Is okay. I'm assuming you were is... cool with the casting. Oh yeah, 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 very, yeah. yeah, yeah very much so. Uh, the first one's okay, but not like... great. It's it's a six at best. Sure, um... but the uh, the second one was was not good. Because Resident Evil series, the seven of them, that was, there's, that was there's, a huge. The first Resident Evil one was okay. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. And after, yeah. and after that, no, just because of course, awful. it's just 
it's a funny franchise to watch. We did all of our EFAP movies on it just because it's so funny, but <sighs> never would I compliment it as an adaptation of Resident Fucking Evil. But then of course then we got the um, Netflix show. Then we had the Welcome to Raccoon well, see, City. You're already going into like the the I was thinking more, you know, like remember the Uwe Uwe Ball films? You boat you 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 boat uh, House of the Dead. Yeah, all the ones they kept giving him them. I was like, why? He just makes horrible, horrible films. Ah! One after another, loads of game adaptations. So nuts. He got didn't he get um, Dead or Alive? Dead. Remember Dead or Alive? Dead or Alive, yeah. Um, of course, there was. Did you ever watch the Silent Hill movies? How were they, how were they received? Um, not great. Not great. Second one. The second one is appalling. Mm-hmm. The first one is is. I saw Uncharted. Uh, mid Tom mid Holland. would be a compliment, but let's just say mid to be nice. Fringy did not like the Uncharted movie. He the said Uncharted was movie was mad. terrible. Yeah. As a as a as a Silent Hill lover of the Silent mm-hmm. Hill games, and when I say the Silent Hill games, I mean the first four, because that's where it ends. Um, no. <laughs> well, and, and, and if no. we then. If we then flip to the, uh, rather than quality, if we go to uh, engagement with audiences, it's always had a really bad history too. All of those kind of reflect that way. You get some like Mortal Kombat that did well with audiences, right? Enough to make another one. Um, Resident Evil did really well with audiences. <laughs> I don't fucking know why. <laughs> well, it did. It did. The only reason why the Resident Evil uh, movies continued was because of the DVD sales. Was it the DVDs? Okay, I thought it maybe did, it was like it international make, box office. It, no, or it didn't make money at the cinemas. It was, but it made a lot of money in DVD sales. Believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you made Monster Hunter. You made a Monster Hunter movie uh, with Mila oh, Jovovich. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't. I never saw that either. No, <laughs> I have no idea how well it did. I have no. I got nothing on that one. But yeah, um, obviously Mario. Did Mario get close to a billion? Mario did over a billion. Over a billion. Jeez. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. My memory's a bit. Yeah. Of course, it was over a billion. But so yeah. Just it just feels like the the money opportunities are much They're bigger. Still, and... uh, master of the TDS was Sharon. What, what happened to her costume? I Damn, don't. That is no. That, that is that, that is some shit. Is right this Zack Snyder's The Marvels? No. This is worse. <laughs> this is like CW trash. And this is their next movie. Look at that. Look at the costumes. Masters. What the fuck? Good God. <laughs> this fucking costume. You've got a fucking panda on the right hand side. You've got <laughs> Zack Snyder's fucking lotus flower. And then you've got fucking projectile vomit on the far left. Um, God, that's, that's a movie. That's coming out of the cinema. It is. Yeah, that's going to be in theaters. In a movie theater. In a fucking movie and theater. You, know, you guys know for a fucking me. fact that 90% of the people who see this movie, and that's a small number already of the people who they're not going to know anything about these three characters. No. Not even Captain Marvel. They wouldn't no. know her. And you have to see three Disney Plus shows? Yeah, no way they recognize the, the, Monica the left Rambo and right there. Miss Marvel. Yeah. The one the one in the middle is what they will call her at this point. They'll be like, is she the, she had a movie, didn't she? She was in the she's ah oh, fuck. Was she in the, the, that room movie with the <laughs> I mean, I hope people see that one instead of fucking Captain Marvel. Jesus, it's so oh, nuts. Wasn't man. she in Fast and the Furious Eight? <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently nine, she's, 10, she's okay 15. in it. I haven't seen it, but I've heard she's alright in it. 
Um, yeah, somebody said though. literal cosplay. N uh, no, cosplay is better cosplay. than this by a yeah, country mile. Cosplay is Holy shit, even Axel Braun's porn costumes are better than this shit. I mean, it's because they're painted on, but that's that's not a complaint. That's is not this, a complaint. Kenzie Taylor. Is this some like story reason why her outfit's so fucking dark? Yeah, she's got a I can't say that. <laughs> um uh, no, I have no explanation. I was going to say she's going to really blend in. Back on the budget on this one, obviously. <laughs> Holy crap! Does that look bad? That looks uh, that looks embarrassing. I mean, okay. embarrass. I mean, Miss Marvel's costume is actually embarrassing. Opening Never mind Monica weekend. Rambeau's. Opening weekend predictions for the Marvels. No, let's do it. Come on, that's my opening prediction. Um, I still think. It's going to get fortified. I still believe it's going to get fortified. It does not hit 100 million over the first weekend. I would no, say, no, no. I would, no, I would guess though, I would still, I'd guess 85. 85. 85. Hmm. Okay. 85. I feel um, like this one is screwed in terms of just the math we can do because it's like, it can't come above Ant Man. There's no way. Why would people go to see this more than Ant Man? I don't buy that at all. Because Ant Man capped okay. out what, 400 mil? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, what? And then Shazam and the Flash represent <laughs> closer to what I believe this film should reach. Though this film has Marvel behind it, I don't know how much that's worth right now to the average audience member. The MCU, I don't know, um, might push it above the Flash and Shazam. But honestly, I mean, <laughs> like the at least. At least the Flash had Batman and the Flash. This has three people no one recognizes. I say sixty. Fuck it, I'll go out on a limb. If I'm wrong, I'll, I'll be wrong. No, I, I, I just, I just got this feeling they. I don't think they can fortify internationally. Well, they're gonna have I, to. Like, they're gonna have to film an end credit scene with Galactus and Silver Surfer and the Fantastic Four. Fucking, fucking each other. They'll have to do something to get people in. No, wait, no, we already got the post credit scene. It's the Young Avengers. Oh, Bishop. <laughs> That's right. Oh, the Young Intersectional Avengers. Yes. Less than fifty says Red Dane. It is noted. Red Dane. Wow. And someone mentioned Sam Jackson's in it. It's like he can't even sell his own TV show. Yeah. Cool. No. It is nobody's, bad. Nobody's Ooh, by the way, that. I've not watched episode four. I know what happens in it because it's fucking Twitter. But uh, I say that as if I'm annoyed. I'm not. I'm not annoyed at all to get it spoiled. But like, I haven't seen it. The next fucking episode's out tomorrow. It's like, oh, uh, it's such a slog. And it's like, what? Why are you watching that? It's like, I want to know how much they screw up. I'm curious, especially because it leads into this film. That's what Secret Invasion is supposed to do. Yes absolutely fucking insane and nobody's watching it nobody cares about it they they literally turned off all goodwill with that ai intro this, this film i know <laughs> right hey, hey? What, what, what? Sorry, whoa, whoa, repeat. Sorry. the ai intro they had for secret invasion it killed all the good oh, faith oh, that, oh. Had for them. i did what was i watching when i saw that that was like brie posting an nft <laughs> it was such a fucking mistake and it's so amazing because you you think like could you have pulled it like do you not see the sentiment for AI technology people are just gonna shit all over you uh, okay remember Hollywood <gasps> is still with people who thought NFTs were good ideas yep so 
There's some good news, though. What's that? Uh, the good news is that um, Kira uh, Narice is up for pre-order on uh, X06. <laughs> Who? Kira! From DS9! X06? Oh, uh, you mean one six scale. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not buying those right now. I'm investing. I'm investing in my son's future. Okay. I'm investing in toys. I know you are. Well, that's my son's future too, but uh I guess uh, I, I, I Okay, I've got a question. How does this film make money? It doesn't. I don't think it does. Nope. It 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 does not. This is one of the straggling remnants of a thing they would have absolutely wanted to cancel for the past like two years, but they yep. couldn't. And they it can't. was just rolling. It was too so rolling. It was already so going. So now we know what's behind all the delays. Uh, they 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 cast a director, right? Remember uh, the billion dollar film. They they didn't bring back the directors from the billion dollar film. They brought in a new director. Uh, who doesn't like white people and had to scrub her fucking Twitter and uh, has done nothing, by the way, absolutely nothing. Uh, this movie's going to be dog shit, and I am here for it. I can't wait. I can't wait. I mean, I, I can wait to see it very easily, but I can't wait to make the video afterwards. <laughs> oh, because, look, somebody said the other week, do you go in with preconceptions uh yeah i think we all do yeah. everyone everyone goes into Who a film with a preconception it? whether it's a positive or a negative one but i i am i am with absolute doubt convinced this is going to be a mitigated dog shit no i think you're absolutely right but we've all got it on record we've come out in favor or against projects knowing that they uh typically speaking weren't ex going the way we expected but we still do yeah. House of the Dragon was going to be a complete piece of shit, in my opinion. I love how much this, this, people are there to try to use that against you and I, uh, Gary. They're like, see, they changed their tune. You're like, once I saw it, yeah. yeah. My prediction was that Game of Thrones is in a horrible place. And then I watched it, I was like, oh, that was good. Really good. <laughs> I fucking, the funny thing is, the reverse happened with season eight. I was like, from trailers and the first like episode or two, I was like, we, we, we got, this could work. We're, we're okay. This could be great. They just got to do some easy things, get some things right, and you know, whatever. We can work out the rest. And then it was like the biggest abomination in the history of TV. And like, okay, <laughs> like gradually pissed off its entire fan base. Incredible work, by the way. Uh, outstanding work. Yeah, how, how they pulled that off? Because you know, at least TLJ split the fandom. Game of Thrones just pissed off everyone. Everybody. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch House of Dragon because I was just, I had no interest in Game of Thrones after season 8. None. Well, Still don't. I'll be honest with you, still don't. You know what, though? As would absolutely adore at least one of the characters. Yep. If, if all three seasons are good, I'll probably watch it. But, um, but I'm going to wait until it's concluded. All right. At, at we'll best. let you know. <laughs> yep. It's still being filmed because uh, they're it's a British production and they're under a different uh, set of rules. So actually, they, Jan, it, a lot of people care. That's why they come watch the streams, dude. Hi. Uh, clearly, don't understand how interaction works. <clears throat> Go on. 
And just I'm just looking at this picture a little more and just going. <laughs> oh, this, 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 uh, this masterpiece wow. of, of myration. Yeah. Uh, how far we have fallen. Uh, it's over, Johnny. It's over. Don't remind yourself of all the cool and badass things that happened in the MCU. There's no point. It'll yep. just upset you at this point. I mean, even Mark recognized this since the end of Phase 3. Uh, they haven't put out a good film. No, that's um, yeah. That went well beyond our circles. That's public knowledge now. We're getting we're getting Echo this year. They're dropping it all at once. Remember, they, Gary, they want people to forget that as soon as possible. They're gonna like that. I think they would be happy if most people go like forget about that there was even a thing called Echo. That they even see the fucking icon on whatever streaming services it ever touches well, after uh, Disney Plus as well. It's just getting dumped. It's just getting dumped. Yeah, that's it. it. Is. They're just dumping it and praying it doesn't do more. Da- they've already done damage to Daredevil. It's fucking idiots. Um, well, they've, it, done, they've done more damage to... Right. They've done more damage to Daredevil in the marketing of the character before their shows even come out. That's a- oh, she, She-Hulk did intense damage already because it makes you think that that's going to be what we get for Daredevil. It's just that, but for a season... Remember Netflix Daredevil? I do. It's pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty That's pretty good. good shit. Pretty good shit. Uh, you can get the first two seasons on Blu-ray. Uh, if you don't want to... you probably never get them on 4K, but... Uh, I mean, that's oh, the one, oh the... sorry. Sorry, it's Molly. Two secs. Just going back to Christine Hodgson for a moment as well. Remember, she also wrote... Batgirl, which never saw the fucking light of day. A historically famous movie at this point because it was stopped and given up for tax because it was so bad. Yes. That doesn't happen very often. She's now part of James Gunn's DCU. The the plot leaked on Twitter three or four days ago. Uh, Drinker retweeted it. Did you see uh, the, uh, the pictures of Firefly? I, I I have seen multiple pictures of Firefly that nobody will ever see. <laughs> so, um, what likelihood you put on that movie being leaked ever? Um, it's not done, so that's part of the problem. It's it's got it needs like it's not uh, leakable in a format in in a way like as a movie anyway. Yeah, I, I th- there is a copy somewhere. They didn't like completely trash it, but. Uh, yeah, there, there's effect shots needs to, need to be finished, and they still need to finish ten percent of the film. So, I said um, I said clips will probably get leaked, but not the whole thing. We ne- did did we ever get to see? Um, we never got to see that Wonder Woman pilot, did we? They, I saw the Wonder Woman pilot, the the, did Kelly you? One, the David R. Kelly one, the one with um, Adriana Pelecki, whatever. I've watched it. Have you? I've never never saw that. Yeah. It's it's a TV show from uh back then. It's fine. She was she's hot. It's not she's great. Hot. She is hot. Yeah. Very hot. I've seen it. Yeah. She's uh she dies in the first episode of Supernatural. Yeah, she does. Well, Spoilers. does she die? Does she as? Uh yes. Oh no, wait, are we talking about the girlfriend? Yeah, she's uh, she's yeah, Jared Padalecki's girlfriend. Yeah, for a second, I thought you were talking about the, the um, 
the mum who didn't they bring the mum back in like the penultimate season or whatever? Well, they they and then he killed her again. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you're not a supernatural character if you haven't died at least five times. At least five times, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've they've died at least five times. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. So so that doesn't fill me for. I mean, when you're <laughs> your last three projects are hundred million plus dollar loss, two hundred to two hundred and fifty million loss, and never even saw the light of fucking day. And you get promoted up into the writers' room of James Gunn's DCU, which has got Mark Millar's authority as the second movie. Which was a Wildstorm product in its day anyway. It wasn't even D. No DC on Wildstorm. But you know what I mean? It's a Wildstorm product. DC bought Wildstorm, yeah. I know. And he had some I really mean... nice offices in La Jolla. <laughs> yeah, Jim Lee did. But they had to sell. Um, oof. Dean's died at least a thousand times. Correct. <laughs> I saw the images of uh, they put Dean, um, well, they put Jar- uh, Jason Ackles into the Batman costume. They were putting him into the Batman costume because he wants he wants to put his hat in the uh the ring to be Batman. Wait on that casting. The only hope all that has is if they're all great, those films. They have to actually be great. But that's the that's the thing. I mean, to me, it can only subvert my expectations as they're not particularly high. Well, so the sad reality for me is I think that at best they're probably going to be good. I don't know that they can they, they'll be ever be great. That's going to be tough. <sighs> well, I was already nervous full stop. We all know that. I'd already I'd already and talked about my reservations. But when you also hear that the new Superman Legacy film is going to star Hawk Girl, Guy Gardner Green Lantern and who uh Mr. Terrific Mr. Fucking Terrific. Then I'm just like, yeah. And then, and then just, a Superman oh. movie. It just need to be a Superman yeah, just, and Lex. Oh, give me a Superman. Yeah, just give me a fucking Superman um, film. Really work on the fucking yeah. script. All yes. right, give it some redrafts. Make it solid Tight. foundation. Tight. Tight. Make it a good movie. Tight. Tight. Oh, shit. Oh, and Metamorpho is going to be in as well. Okay, great. Yeah. They're saying... And I know James Gunn said, well, if he's going to interact with regular people like Perry, Lois, and Jimmy, then we also have to say that he's going to interact with his superhero friend's side. And I'm just like, how about he interacts with Lex and Lois and you keep it tight. But I mean that that was their big mistake. Uh we're gonna start a uni- a shared universe over oh. eight years with multiple chapters because that's worked uh only once with Marvel. And uh, but but he also said, Gary, when I've never nor will I ever set up other projects in from my films. Um. Yeah. And yet, well, and, what and, are you doing? And what launched the MCU? The agreed upon from chat greatest film in the MCU. Yes, Iron Man. Chat voted. 
So Iron Man you know, who had Iron Man in it. You gotta start strong. Like and that's that was a really good movie to start on, you know. Keep it simple. Do you remember I what he just, edited it with saying I am I am bad? That was the thing people were talking about for ages. Like, what a fucking yeah. cool way to end that film. Hell yeah. Uh look for a lot of plans to change over the next few years. A lot of announcements to disappear or get outright canceled, or they'll just get the Rian Johnson treatment of, oh, it's in development till he dies. Or we die. <laughs> oh, that that uh Tanahisi Coke Superman films. Yeah, that that that's not going to happen. Well, but, haven't they already? Did they announce recently that they're, they're going to be rolling things back a bit? And that didn't he say something like, "Oh, you know, I uh, we put out maybe a few too many things too fast. You know, overwhelmed." Right. It's all Chapik's fault, by the way. This is all Bob Chapik's fault. Even though I got all this stuff rolling, Bob Iger. Yeah, he said he's rolling now. Isn't correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Bob Iger the guy that bought all of it? Um. Where continuity has worked, uh, somebody's mentioning Venture Brothers. You're absolutely correct. It's one TV show, you know, that that has uh, seven seasons that came out over damn near 20 years and uh, had the same writers, had the same writers. Uh, Mission Impossible has worked because it had the same producer, had same star. Uh, James Bond worked because they rebooted the character. They they brought in a new character over time. But it's it was not Same writers for... Entire Each existence. movie can be watched individually, and that was their original Sony's original plan for Spider-Man, which was we'll have Toby for you know two or three movies, then we'll recast. Which is what you should do with every what, what Mark Millar said earlier is there is a core group of characters that are Marvel and DC, and that's never really changed. We've added a couple here and there, but it's never really changed since the 60s and since the 40s, 30s and 40s in DC's case. Uh, you just recast. That's that's all you need to do. Like Batman, we've had multiple Batmans, and the Batmen have been uh, mostly well received. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and uh, Superman has had great success in television. Great success in television over the years. So you just recast. It's that simple. Uh, but Hollywood thinks they have all the answers. Uh, and they're just a bunch of dumb people with a lot of money for the most part. A lot of incompetence. A uh, lot of incompetence. And now they're going to, uh, you know, uh, the universe unfolds as it should. They all decide to go on strike during uh, a horrible economic uh, downturn <gasps> and a paradigm shift in entertainment that they cannot keep up with, that they will not be able to keep up with. Okay. Blue Beetles out in a month. No one's gonna see it. Yeah, like I said, nothing's coming out. We got Blue Beetle, <laughs> we got the Marvels, we got Aquaman 2 on the TV side, we got the Witcher part <clears throat> 2, we've got Ahsoka Girl Power, and then of course Echo gets dropped. So that's 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 what we have for the rest of the year. Um, Dune's coming out. That that's that looks pretty good. Dune. But uh G- I, I don't think <clears throat> Dune's gonna do that great in the theaters now. I'm completely well, the first one turning around the first one didn't but it was day and date i think it'll do okay thankfully its budget is mm. uh, is is lower so it, it, it it'll probably make money but i don't think it's going to be a billion dollar movie no 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 but i'm maybe I'm, uh, i think 500 would be amazing yeah <laughs> but i don't see 500 i i see you 
four at best. Uh, Witcher Part Two. They're, yeah, they're gonna uh, they're gonna do something canonical to to regenerate the Witcher. <laughs> so they, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna pitchfork him at the end of this. Yeah, aren't they? yeah, they're gonna pitchfork him, and then he, when he comes back, I told I said this tonight ages ago. That's how they're gonna end Cavill's run. Cavill's gonna be pitchfork and die like he like he does in the books, and then he's gonna come back as uh you know discount Hemsworth. And and yeah, it, it's it, this canonical shit from these clowns who are writing it, who said this season was the most book accurate. It's like, oh fucking, they don't even know what they're talking about now. It's so Dude, well, they read that on Wikipedia. So come on, give them. They did, yes, they did a Wikipedia accurate. Uh, no, it was it was a Wikipedia written by somebody from the Mary Sue. <laughs> so that's. <laughs> so they they couldn't even be bothered to read the Wikipedia article oh, then. Okay. Oh. And and Doctor Who has a 60th anniversary this year. And oh, I already forgotten. The, I know. Remember the 50th? <laughs> remember the 50th? They had a season leading up to the 50th. You know, uh, a, a, with the big mystery uh, of uh, a missing doctor, <laughs> name, name of the doctor, uh, all this great shit. And there was displays like in Barnes and Noble and everywhere, including my store. Uh, I went to Barnes and Noble, and they, they have an end cap of doctor who uh like five doctor who blu-rays four of them were from uh the first female doctor played by jody whitaker which were all 30 percent off and nobody fucking touched them so yeah was she not well received gosh no big chief couldn't even sell the 350 fucking one in sixes they made of them i know well now they can't make figures anymore so uh, no they've they remember they sent that letter saying at the what was the last quarter of the year we're going to start getting stuff? Did you? Yeah, know? and then, then they they put out another letter saying we've actually gone to another production facility. So now there's two production facilities going in China. Uh, that's great. Uh, if I don't have something by the third quarter, I'm canceling all my orders. Yeah, there's there's two production facilities Fucking that are producing nothing. Three years. Uh, but did you know uh, it must be because they're a British company? There's an FCC regulation that I just learned about because of the Green Goblin special edition being late. Uh, they said uh, Sideshow sent me an email. Oh, yes. Going, yes, you have to accept this, and if you don't accept this by August second, due to FCC regulations, we have to cancel your order and give you. We money. have to cancel. Yeah, that's fine. I because yeah because of that, um, I actually did manage to cancel a couple of things that way. I, I want that Green Goblin because I want the Green Goblin I did, and I want, I did too. I want I the Dark Hawk. So I did accept with those two, but um, there's a few. There's a few where I was just like, no, I'm I'm quite happy to let this uh, drop. Dude, I got to start hanging shit from my ceiling, so I, I just don't have them anymore. I'm done. Well, I, I know some Rolling Stones or uh, journalists. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, Bloomberg. Yeah, should should spend all of the millions to get like a big thing in the background that's that's like a treadmill thing that that cycles into the room but then goes into a storage room filled with every single hot toy but then they cycle out one by one in the background just seeing them all perfectly presented in mm. a case self-dusting perfectly preserved thousands uh. of beautiful toys and they all just cycle in while you're making your videos I rotate them in all the time. Nobody notices. <laughs> do you? Well, I do. 
I've put all my all my PlayStation games are now in plastic um, protective sheets. All of them. All the dual cases and all the single ones are now. Dush, dush, dush. And all of my action force, hearted action force, are now in acrylic. Brand new acrylic boxes. Might have might have dropped a couple. These brand new acrylic boxes. Exit there. Oh, yeah, uh, those sure. are good. That's uh, I have my Indiana Jones, my proper Indiana Jones, not the re, not the redos, the Action Force. Look at that, Baron Iron Blood. Baron Iron Blood. Is he a pirate? Sure. Sure. Neat. Well, it's funny you should say that because this is like a deep sea diver. That's why I said that. Because <laughs> it's got a little pirate hat over there. Got a little pirate thingy on him. This is what we had before G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. Uh, let's read some supers because we've got about... Well, Mola, have you got to go now, actually? Pretty much, yeah. If that's a good place, probably jump out. I, I, I guess hey, yes. Don't mean to leave you slightly early. Just got sure. a couple things happening all at the same time. But uh, it's been a pleasure, as per usual. Anything like plugged before you, you dip? No. No. Not even. Good episode. Had fun. Always mm. do. And mm. uh, you take care, chat, and see you guys next time. Talk to you soon, brother. Oh, shit. Sure. Hey, hey my... Gary. Hang on. And my camera. Oh, there we go. My foot kicked my camera. And now it's okay. Uh, OG Real BBC. OG. It's OG, baby. OG. I don't know. Chris got my message. Hang on. OG Real BBC. Uh, right, let's do some uh, supers until the end then. Uh, chat, if you don't get your super read out this Sunday, two th it's probably going to be 2 p.m. UK time okay. now because... Can I, sure. can, I, can I just say, uh, Chris Gore, I'm sorry. He invited me to Oppenheimer tonight. I said I could go, but I can't. I've got too much stuff to do. I'm going to be sitting in this hotel room and uh, talking to my dear mother. But Chris is going to be... Signing, I'll retweet it on Twitter. He's going to have some signings, and he's got his uh, some Blu-rays, some Attack of the Dock Blu-rays, and uh, I am going to Barbie with him. So fuck. I've already ordered ordered mine. Uh, I spoke to my mumsy today as well. Uh, how's mom? She's good. She's good. good. She's in good spirits today. Yeah. My mom is. Uh, my mom. I love my mom. She's like, when you come down to see me next, are you going to sort out my Netflix for me? Oh, yes, oh why can't you sort it out from from where you are? I tried. For an oh, because you're trying to walk her through. <laughs> yeah, my mom can't even work a cell phone. So, uh, yeah, an, an hour, an hour. And okay. I decided I said, Mom, we're going to stop because otherwise I will kill you. No. So um, my conversation with my mom is going like this. When I go and see her, it's like, Mom, how you doing? Mm -hmm. Love you. Mm -hmm. Love you, Mom. Is there anything you need? Soap. Uh, okay. Nothing technical. Z nothing. Oh, no. And then I'm going to go. So you have two choices, Mom. Do you want to drive to Texas or do you want to fly to Texas? <laughs> You're moving to Texas. Nice. <laughs> That's how it's going. Yeah, it's ridiculous here, dude. It's uh, They raised a rent. Like, they doubled it. They doubled their fucking rent in that place, dude. It's fucking insane. And it sucks. So that's part of the reason I'm here early is to 
give them 30 days notice and tell mom that she's moving to Texas, whether she likes it or not. <laughs> so she's moving to Casa de, de Nerd Roddick. She's going to be near Ca- Casa. She needs uh, full-time care. She needs, oh, okay. uh, she needs full-time medical care, but it's a, it's a lot. Nice that's good. Care. She's near. It's going to be near though. Yeah. 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 So I think that's, she, she doesn't want to go though. <laughs> but I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to go. It's like, mom, you don't go outside. You're not going to notice the difference. The air conditioning works. Yes. (laughs) Hot where you are now. It's going to be hot there. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It's literally just a change of room. It's a change of room. It'll be nice. It'd be lovely. It'll be nice. Uh, Yeah, if you don't don't get your super chat read out, folks, 2 p.m. UK time. I think I'm having to start a little bit earlier because that's meant to be a two-hour show that's been going on for three and a half hours every episode. Um. Sunday afternoon tea with us, super Ooh. chat square. Uh, but we'll try and smash as many as we can in the next 10 minutes smash or so. Smash them like smash them like little red, ru- no, like Snow White smashes magical people. Dude, I was uh, I was at the gym, right? And they had the Fox News on my machine, and uh, they were talking about it on fucking Fox News. That picture. wow. <laughs> fucking boomers on Fox both News. My, both of my videos did very well. Yeah, I heard they've been doing uh uh pretty well. God, drinker on now. But I but I oh I, I Russell I watched it. I actually went over to to um Rumble. to Rumble and watched the rest of it because uh yeah, and it was a good, great interview. I text drinker afterwards when that good interview. That was good. Uh, right, let's let's go, let's go. The Red Ranger has been a saucer for two months. Says, what's the best thing about Switzerland? I don't know. The flag is a big plus, though. Get out. Get out. You don't have to get out. Get out. You don't have to get out. Get out. There'll be no dad joke. Actually, no, it's not bad. Actually, uh, Zbad805 with the $20 says, Hell, the real BBC, as my little bro's birthday is coming up and he loves Transformers, but I want to get him the comics. But where do I start and what do I avoid? Thanks for any help you can provide. Oh, and hi, Mark. Um, is he in America or the UK? It was $20 super chat, so I'm reckoning uh, USA. I would recommend just the Marvel Transformers comics from the 80s. That's it. I do have the the new one, the um, Kirkman one that's just come out. I've got... Is it good? I am... This is, this is uh, Void Rivals. Um, I gotta say, it's got... It's got... This is actually... I bought this because this is the um, variant cover that actually looks really cool. I gotta say that the the... Initial cover. Okay, let me know what you think. This is, right, this is the issue number one cover, okay? okay? Let's take a look. Yeah, the other one's better. <laughs> I, I don't know what the fuck that is. What? What how am I supposed to know that's a Transformers book? <laughs> what the hell? Uh, yeah, tra- Transformers is of its time, dude. It's kind of like... 
it works better on the four color palette. It 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 just works better in in eighties comics. So I think is there isn't there an omnibus, kids, youngsters in the chat? Is there an omnibus for the Transformers? Uh, or or yeah. go to your local comics. Uh, go to your local comic book convention or store. Mac issues aren't expensive. You can go for for a relatively low price. You can go get all those comic books. Yeah, that's jet jetfire slash skyfire, whichever route you're going down with that. Yeah. But yes, I, I I had a quick flick through and it takes about half, if not over half, of the comic to, to actually see Jetfire in it. And it's two weird beings talking to each other. And I'm just like, this isn't selling. I mean, I haven't read it yet. Could be great writing. But I'm just like, just kind of like thumbing through. I'm sort of like fuck is this what the fuck is anyway um let's see let's see what a complete run for marvel transformers that's pretty expensive i wouldn't pay that much uh okay yeah. so there's, there's the issue, there's, issue 16 because that's graham nolan's first uh mainstream artwork yeah there. there is a transformers 1984 comics one through 80 high grade run all first prints and extras for fifteen hundred dollars i think you can get it cheaper than that i'd say that's nice though i'd say 800 and and you can get that 800 by just buying them individually unless you like just want to save yourself some time but i think part of the fun is you know making your little list going out and getting them you know that's me that's hey me. hold on let, let me open this is the, let me open right let me open this one I did have a thumb through. Look, this is this like this is a Transformers comic. Void right? Where's Transformers? Nowhere. Void Rivals. It took me ages to find this comic because I had desperately trying to find out what the new Transformers comic was, and it just said Void Rivals. And I what? Okay. So um, like this is it. This is this is the fucking comic for fucking half of it. It's it's just. Two fucking relatively humanoid things banging each other and looking shit. And and it takes how many pages to get to, to seeing Jetfire? Uh well they're not even pages aren't even numbered now. Okay, but this is the halfway pin. So we're halfway through the comic, and then that is the first look at Jetfire. Oh, um, but he's there, so you can just see him start to transform. Did, did write this, yeah. Or is just... uh, apparently, so yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, Robert Kurtman is the. What did I say? I didn't say Robert Kurtman. Uh, Kurtman is the. Yeah. So I I don't know what this is meant to. I mean, like I said, I got to read it. It might be great reading, but um, just thumbing through, I'm sort of like, what the fuck is this meant to be? What the fuck is this meant to be? But I liked, I mean, I got, I simply got that because that is actually, that's actually a good cover, I think. That's a decent cover. At least it's more, better than, what is that? Oh, Art T Bear is here. What's up, Art? Is Art T Bear in there? He's in the chat. What's up, Art? I love your garden, dude. Nice garden. Yeah. Careful, show it off your house. They'll find you. <laughs> They'll, they'll like, I recognize that. I will find flower. you! <laughs> I recognize that flower and that crack in the sidewalk. We can triangulate that. And, yeah, uh, the internet can do shit like that. 
Yeah, that's why I don't put up pictures of my house. <laughs> uh, but, not, but a really nice garden. I saw Auntie Bear's garden. I was just like, that's hey, nice. You know that comic comic book people can actually make money. They can when they're good. Ah, but well, that's good. that's the downside to today's crop. You got to be good. Isn't that weird. I, I, uh, well, I think like what Mark was saying is like there are people who are trying things and they're just their philosophy is off their personal philosophy. Uh, I was watching uh, for my video that I may or may not put out. I was watching tons of Douglas Adams. Interview. Oh, um, and you know what he said? He said, uh, you know, when I was done with uh, the second Dirk Gently book, I was out of ideas. I burned through all of my ideas and I needed more life experience to get more ideas that's why <laughs> uh un, you know that's why he he went off and did other things unfortunately he died at a really early such a fucking tragedy man mm. uh died when he's 51 um you know what grant morrison did for new ideas uh what two more two more drugs i mean that's a way to do it too you know i like hey as bill hicks <laughs> says all that good music you like People were really, <laughs> really high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll another name, maybe, but the $20 is hurt. So who's excited for Snowflake and the other seven other Snowflakes coming to an empty theater near you? I cannot wait. I'm off to see that. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, everybody at Friday Night Tights is going to see Snow White. That is a fact. Snow Brown and the seven baristas from Seattle. That is a fact. Oh, when is it? It's not coming out till like next year, though, right? Next year, next year, yeah. I think March. And and you know what's funny is like there's gonna be so few movies, it's gonna stand out like a fucking sore thumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh we oh, are yeah. getting we are gonna get Rings of Power season two. The the strikes had one fucking job and couldn't get them done, but thankfully it keeps our job around. Well, in all fairness, probably didn't take that long to write. Well, it didn't. The showrunners weren't there for the majority of the filming of the show. <laughs> I I think I'm actually quite looking forward to season two. I am. Kellaborn's back. It's like, what? I've been gone for a thousand years. I'm back. You oh. were, they, they thought you were dead. I totally almost fucked our sworn enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Typical> a woman. <laughs> I spent a thousand years looking for Sauron, then I bumped into him in the middle of an we ocean. An ocean. We almost banged. <laughs> yeah. And I almost sucked his cock. That's so Tolkienian, isn't it? Oh, oh, dude, that's exactly the kind of coincidence and contrivance that Tolkien's known for. Oh, it really known for. <laughs> <laughs> oh hi Sauron. Oh, hi, Sauron. <laughs> I did not good, hit him. Not... <laughs> oh hi Sauron. Uh, hi. Classic Tolkien, you're right. Ed. Classic <laughs> Classic Tolkien. Oh. I was just swimming in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. The and then she just comes across Wowsies. <laughs> and he looks like a barista from Portland. And they spent a half a billion dollars on this dude. <laughs> it's 
so fucking stupid. <laughs> they could have cured world poverty with that. <laughs> they could have. They could have fed a country in Africa. And- <laughs> they could have built a bridge from America to, to Africa where they could have driven food over. I, I made a video three years ago as a joke, just based on everything I've seen with Star Wars and Star Trek, saying, you know, they're probably going to put Galadriel in full body armor, leading an army and slaying orcs as a fucking joke. And an army of women. Advice. You got the, you said an army of women. But there's always season two. Okay. I said an army of female Numenorians. Yeah. And, yeah. and it turns out I was half right on that because, like, well, half, half the. <laughs> Okay, the female, there was, uh, the Numenorian army was half female until they went to the battle. And then it was all dudes for some reason. Imagine, right, um, the Americans come into to, to France on D-Day to liberate mm-hmm. D-Day. You know, liberate, you know, you got, you got Juno going on. You got the British and the Canadians over there. And you got yeah. the Americans doing, doing some really heavy fucking lifting stuff over here. And uh, the head of the US forces goes in to a French village and defers to the woman who picks flowers there on the military command. Yeah. Yeah. He That's goes in what happened in Rings of Power. Uh, I need the, uh, the late, yeah, yes, the peasants uh, uh, <laughs> who grows poppies. <laughs> she needs to tell us how to do this fucking battle. <laughs> <laughs> And then she went, are you going to fight with me? And 50% of them leave. I know. They're like, fuck this bitch. She picks. No. I mean, if the guy who actually understands military tactics spoke, maybe you pick fucking flowers. You stupid tart. It's unbelievable. How bad that was. I mean, we're, we're approaching a year since it's been released and the only thing anybody ever talks about is how much it sucked <laughs> yes so, yes House of dragons got a good reputation people are actually looking forward to it people were like oh god the one show i liked might get shut down by strike oh thank god it's not you know and listen it could go off the rails in season two um i forgot who i heard talking but the the difference with house of the dragon is you had the the writer there like George was not writing Winds of Winter and was working on House of the Dragon, which did make it better. <laughs> I wish he'd write Winds of Winter. It's been twelve years. I, yes. I don't know. Like I, I, I maybe I've been a little impatient. <clears throat> it's been twelve years. It's <laughs> been twelve years and fifty days. You know, since Tolkien, you released, <laughs> Tolkien has released more books dead. <laughs> George has released a song of ice and fire, and and will likely continue to do so. Is the sad thing. Yes. Pac Man seventy six with a ten dollars says, "What about the production?" Oh no, we had that one. Uh, We're we're up against. We're already done. Um, We've got to just do. I've got to do a few more, and then it looks like this is going to be a big super chat square. I'll show that. I got to go to the game. I got to go to the game. Uh, M8566 with 10 of us is hell real BC. What are your thoughts on medieval spawn? And do you think we'll ever get a movie, maybe an animated miniseries? Uh, I have I have none. Ex- excellent action figure. There you go. Uh Mikey Gussler with one, two, three, four, 
five supers at 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 dollars. Uh, remember when people criticized the DC EU for introducing characters too early? Well, Superman Legacy will have Superman, Green Lantern, Hawk Girl, Crypto, and more. This would be the Mummy 2017. Well, if you just heard us in the chat, Michael, I was not happy with that in the slightest. Uh, people have been asking why James Gunn chose Guy Gardner over Hal Jordan. Well, I have an answer from Gunn himself. He said, because I like him more. Well, this is all the James Gunn fan pick, this DCU. I like Guy Gardner too. I do. You don't introduce him in a Superman movie. I, no. I, like, I like Nathan Fillion. You don't introduce him in a Superman movie. I'm with you. Right. I'm 100% with you on this one. It, it's hypocritical to criticize what Snyder did and then just do the same thing. I mean, what are these going to be all like post-credit scene cameos? But when I heard that guy, uh, sorry, when I heard that Nathan Fillion was going to be Green Lantern, I was like, that's a really good casting for Hal Jordan. Yes. And then he said, oh, no, he's Guy Gardner. And I went, oh, fuck. I know. Who would make a good Guy Gardner? Gotta be, gotta be kind of somebody who's sort of unlikable, really. But likable. It's gotta be likable, but unlikable. Um, I mean, you, how many? There's no red-headed uh, males anymore. Um, he's got, he's got to be a little bit. Uh, John, John Cena would. would John Cena wouldn't be a bad choice. Wouldn't be actually. a bad choice uh bill burr but he's uh, but no. he's you know he's a peacemaker uh mark Wahlberg wouldn't be kanye. terrible <laughs> kanye yes ed sheeran there you go um mikey gussler people think it was snyder's choice to do bvs after uh man of steel but he actually wanted to do Man of Steel 2 with a Bruce Wayne cameo, then Warner Brothers stepped in. I don't know how true this is, but I heard that the budget for Superman Legacy will be, won't be anywhere below 300 million. If true, think we'll make money. That's just a silly rumor at the moment. That. I can't see that happening because no. they spent that much on Flash and there's, they just don't have it. Yeah. Uh, WB should just lend the Snyderverse to Netflix, then both parties will make money. Honestly, I don't know. I wouldn't. I think uh, The Flash is a prime example of the majority of people are just done with that side now, and they want it. They want it over. I think. Uh, I think superheroes kind of done uh, because uh, because Hollywood is fatigued. Hollywood yes. tired of them. Hollywood doesn't even like it took James Gunn and he I I still believe he's the wrong guy. If I'm proven wrong, I will gladly admit I was wrong. Um but they don't Hollywood doesn't believe in the ideals of Superman. No. No. Any but, but they do believe in the ideals of QZs. Exactly. Exactly. Hollywood's there. People are still out there saying the sound of, I mean, like lying about the sound of freedom, which is essentially, I mean, it's not even an independent film. It's a film that it was made by Fox that was picked up uh, and it's still sure, making. Sure. I think, I think it's just money. easier for people to understand because 14 million is, is 
such a low budget. Yeah, it's made by Fox. Then it got bought out by Disney. Then they left it on the shelf. Then they optioned it off. So it's now in, in an independent capacity. Yeah. So I think it's just easier for people to understand I just, instead of going through the rigmarole of explaining how the process it actually went through. When things get too, uh, Mark talked about this earlier. This is why, you know, uh, I'm a capitalist, but I'm not like super corporate. I've never been about corporatism. I, I like privately owned entities that can, you know, when, when you're a small business, when I own my comic shop, I could break even and not hit the panic button one year. You know, when 2008 happened, I broke even, which means technically I didn't make any money, but I was able to play, pay my employees and uh, pay some bills. Sure, I had to go out and find another job, but that's what I did so I could feed kids and myself and pay bills. Uh, and companies can't do that. They can't contract, you know, uh, like after that, I, I went down to one employee as opposed to having three and, you know, we, we were fine and it, and it sucked, but they were part-time, you know, they weren't like relying on me for paying the rent or anything. Uh, but you can pivot, you can pivot and then you could bring employees back. Like I did too. Um, when things got better, uh, they they lay off mass people, but they never lay off the executive staff, the middle management, and they never bring budgets. So specifically about Hollywood, uh, what they should do uh, is make a movie tickets need to be cheaper. They need to be cheaper, which they won't do. Uh, movie budgets need to be cheaper, which they won't do because they've expanded too much, like beyond. They're bursting right now, and that's why they're falling apart. Uh, one of the things with comic books. Uh, they needed to be on uh, everybody's like you know I, I was always a big proponent of pulp bring it back to pulp put it back on pulp it's cheaper make comic books do, do you want to see cheap i'll show you cheap but and, and then I'll, if you want to do i'll show you, you i'll do, show like, you cheap if you want to do uh like a prestige edition that costs more that's fine too but like make a reader copy you know uh sure yeah 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 nope no, no, Gary, I haven't seen the half of it yet. Are you ready? Well, that one was is better it, than the last one. No, well, no, that's the one that's been got rid of. Uh, this is what she starts with. The other one is what she ends up in. <laughs> Triple. Did this just come out today? Did this come out today? <laughs> It's a triple threat. <laughs> it's a shit. Well, this will bring women to the theater. This will bring the girls in. They can all see themselves in these frumpy superhero costumes that look like they were made by your blind grandma. I'm sorry, are you trying to throw a punch? What is that? What even is that? What is this? You're getting fisted. That's what, what is <laughs> Uh, oh. 
There ain't no men. Marvel got what they want. I mean, this is as close to A-Force as we're ever going to get. This is... That wouldn't, put, that wouldn't punch a hole in a wet fucking play paper bag, for fuck's sake. We have achieved peak MCU, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ah! This is the MCU season finale. Movie's been delayed five times. Can't imagine why. <laughs> okay, I want to. I want to take my guess from eighty million, eighty-five million to eighty-five dollars. Okay. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about sixty million opening weekend. That might be oh. a little high. Might be a little high. Eleven out of ten. M MCU. MCU, baby. You got eleven out of ten MC MCUs. I should just call this MCU. That's what they should call it. What do you even fucking do? So we have three women in frumpy costumes with uh, vaguely uh, uh, energetic powers. <laughs> with are, glowing, with glow sticks. That are omnipotent, and it's going to be like Freaky Friday, right? Don't they all switch into each other's bodies or some shit? Uh, I might be able to buy a house next week. There's going to be a, a boyfriend that sings all his, all his oh. lines. Um, triple threat. It's a triple threat to fucking <laughs> Disney's bottom line. <laughs> oh, poor movie theaters. Pack it up. Pack it I, up. How it home. They're striking because the people who wrote this film <laughs> and acted They're in the striking film better than fucking Ms. Marvel is in that picture. Think they deserve more money. <laughs> who wrote this? Who wrote the Marvels? I need to know. Is it Christina Hobson? <laughs> <laughs> uh, directed by Nia DaCosta. Oh, that the legendary director, the legendary director who has uh, directed. Let's see, what has she directed? Nothing. Uh, Document isn't it two documentaries that were done last ten years ago? Uh, she did a screenplay for Candyman, the remake, uh, <laughs> uh, Ghost Tape, which was eight episodes, Little Woods, Celeste, a short. Like oh, she's okay. Aside from her two fucking school shorts from 2014, she has done three things and it's all as a writer. She has never directed anything. Right. Let's just do, let's do a couple more. Get out of here before I die. Uh, doc 32 gifted five memberships to the stream. Devil Duke 95 gifted 10 memberships to the stream. Thank you so much. Indeed guys. No Zaku boy. With a fifty dollar says, who sees it's the hearts of men and the undergarments of women? Beeping Tom. Winter in July to stop an avalanche of addiction and plow the streets of crime. Tom must draw the line with the red nosed princess of power, Snowblow and her seven eight balls. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Got him. Uh, got him. Uh, what else we got? We got um, 
Bashy Washy with the fifty dollars is Mark. Thank you for loving your craft, standing your ground when it comes to respecting the fans. Please know that this fandom will support you. Thank you for being a sane person yeah. in a time where being sane and normal is a bad thing. I'll amen to that. Sheep Sidian with a fifty dollar as well <laughs> says who. I have too many words to say in one super, so I'll just see the three of you in Wisconsin. No yep. one's coming to kidnap you and Mola or anything. Just don't panic. If a few random gentlemen get a little aggressive. Oh, my God. November. Right, folks. The rest, if you haven't had any super chat read, read out, uh, I will do on Super Chat Square up Sunday, 2 p.m. probably, UK time, afternoon tea with us. We'll go through it all then. Gary, anything you'd like to plug before we go, sir? Oh, God. Um, I'm in San Diego going to Comic-Con. I'll be at a booth, be at Gabe Al-Taib's booth uh, on Thursday, 5.30 to 6.30. I'll also be attending a panel before that at the Marriott. You can find it in the schedule. It's Chris Gore's uh, independent film panel with Eric July. I'll be there supporting my friends. Uh, so that's all that's Thursday as well. And then we'll be, uh, a bunch of knuckleheads running around Comic-Con all weekend. So come by and say hi. If you see hey. us, uh, Friday night tights with, <clears throat> with Chris Gore on Friday, uh, live from San Diego. And I'm going to try to do a video. What on? Not really sure right now. It's coming what on. What on? I'm uh, in my comfy chair. Yes. I'm in my comfy chair. <laughs> 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 it's it's hard not to do that because it, it can and it's so comfortable nice nice i'm glad you i'm glad you're comforted i am comforted uh huge thank you to mark millar for popping on today great conversation uh great chat with him uh thank seems you. like a real stand up kind of a guy massive thank you to everyone who came to watch today mods thank you for giving up your time really appreciate that everyone who super chatted Membered, gifted members, remembered. Appreciate you supporting the channel. Sunday, 2 p.m. UK time. We'll do the Super Chat Square Up on Afternoon Tea with Az. I can give you the credit that you deserve for your super. Till next time, you take care. Bye for now. Ciao.